You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, slash afternoon, slash nighttime, slash middle of the night to you all. Yes, whenever you are listening to this, it's a great big hello from classic movie world from me to you. Thank you for returning to me, you beautiful people, for another edition of Attaboy Clarence. Such a packed show for you today, a bumper, almost secret history of Hollywood-sized show for you, dedicated, of course, to perhaps the Golden Age's most beloved star, Miss Myrna Loy. Yes, it's all about Myrna today. I have four Myrna Loy movie reviews heading your way plus two Myrna radio appearances. So if you're a Myrna fan, then today is your freaking day of days. First things first, the Film Club meetup online took place on Sunday just past. Myself and over a 100 patrons gathered to watch Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi and Stanley Ridges in Black Friday and oh my holy mother, it was amazing. So many wonderful people joined in, so many funny people. We all swooned at Margaret with the flat head, at the quite earth-shattering spinning transitions, at the sight of Bela Lugosi suffocating in a food cupboard, at the sheer evil that a haircut can convey. Seriously, it was ridiculous amounts of fun, and what a sight to see so many classic movie lovers all stuffed into one room. It was so good-natured and friendly, and there was a real sense of camaraderie and warmth. So if you were there, thank you so much for making it so fun. And if you weren't there and you'd like to be there for June's Film Club Nights, then listen on until later, where I'll be revealing the films on offer as well as how to sign up. Just need to quickly tell you about the latest edition of The Dark Pages, which has just come out, the prima online magazine for all film noir fans, which this month has features on Dorothy Malone, sadly departed now, as well as Peggy Cummins, plus a fascinating article all about Humphrey Bogart and his third wife, Mayo Metho, yes, that one, the one that got drunk and fought with him all the time. Quite a shocking story, you must read it. Even tough guys like Humphrey Bogart were victims of spousal abuse. It's quite an eye-opener. Much more in this issue, including noir movie listings, Blu-ray reviews, everything you could want. To get your copy, go to www.allthatnoir.com and sign up for The Dark Pages now. Maybe you have a question. Well, throw it into the question pot. Strangely, there is no next line. Well, maybe I'll read your question out on the show, or maybe not. Now, here's someone with a handbell. We'll have a quick dip into the question pot today. First one is from Dan Weckerly, who asks, What is your favourite Abbott and Costello film? The classics, Buck Privates and Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, are genius. But my particular favourite is Who Done It from 1942. 
a murder mystery set in a radio station. I love that the silly romantic subplots and the tuneful Andrews sisters, talented yes, but little more than padding in the prior features of the team's former movies were absent. Yours? Well, Dan, I find it rather difficult to see past Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. That is my personal favourite. I love that it so carefully and respectfully sends up the Universal horrors without besmirching them. In fact, it really does feel like a continuation of the stories. So funny and even a little bit scary. The other horror spoofs they did were quite abysmal, though, unfortunately. I actually haven't seen Who Done It, but it sounds good. A murder mystery set in a radio station, so I'm going to look for that one now. Thank you, Dan. Another message in the pot here from supernatural guru John Tenney, who writes, I don't know if you've seen Desert Escape, but if you haven't, I'd like to put it on your radar. There is a scene in the movie that is literally 30 seconds of a dog looking around. It's actually not awful. There were some parts I really enjoyed. Hope all is well, John. Cheers, John. Well, I've been a bit busy with Myrna this week, so I got in a guest reviewer to take a look at this hidden dog-centric classic. You ready to do this? Yes, I'm ready to do this. Do I speak into this furry sex ball that you speak into? The microphone. Yes, you speak into the microphone. That's not a furry sex ball, Suki. It is when you go out. Anyway, here is my thoughts on the film you made me watch. Go on, then. Okay, it was a story about a criminal man who breaks out of a big stone house with a fence made of a stone wall around it. And then he has a dog who's a very sexy dog, and the sexy dog is the winner. You finished? There was a very sexy bit in the film where the dog looks around for an hour or something, and then the dog saves the man because dogs are very nice and men are not very sexy at all. And they smell like cigarettes, and they tell me to go away, and they tell me not to make brown eggs on the carpet. So, was it a good film? Yes, it was my favourite film that I ever watched. Okay, good. So you'd recommend it? Recommend what? The film. What film? Desert Escape. What are you talking about? I... Never mind. Thank you for your help. I'm going to make you an egg, I am! Outside. Okay, thank you, and if you'd like to throw a question into the question pot, go on over to www.attaboyclarence.com and scroll down the homepage until you find the question pot, loose the question from your holster, and drop it with a clank into the pot, and I thank you. So throw your flipping questions into the shiny question pot. You might hear your question next time. So until then, get your thinking cap on for the question pot. Okay, that's the end. On to the star of today's show then, and a gal you're all very happy to hear about, Miss Myrna Loy, once crowned the Queen of Hollywood by moviegoers in a poll conducted in 1936, and who remains today one of the most popular of Golden Age stars, not just for her naturally sparkling wit and charm, but also because she seemed to pick just the best movies to star in. I mean, you look at the Myrna Loy filmography and it's simply marvel. Not only did she star in the Thin Man movies, but The Best Years of Our Lives, The Great Ziegfeld, Mr. Blanding's Built His Dream House, The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, so many classics. 
including a few you'll hear about today. She got her big break not by showing up for a screen test, but by posing for a statue. At the age of 16, she posed for Harry Fielding Weinbrenner, the sculpture teacher at Venice High School, who was creating a statue to sit outside the pool of the school. Well, the statue came to be known as Fountain of Education and displayed a representation of Myrna Loy at 16, arms stretched towards the heavens as the statue's centerpiece. So famous did this statue become that everyone wanted to know who the girl at the center was, and the LA Times successfully tracked down the model, one Myrna Williams at the time, and thus was this beguiling young girl introduced to the world. The original statue's actually gone now. It was replaced by a bronze replica in 2010. But for those movie fans among you, watch carefully during the opening of Greece, and you'll see it in all its original white glory as the T-Birds walk past it. Anyway, so today's show is dedicated to a very special someone. It's all about Myrna Loy today, and let's just say right now it's going to be pretty impossible to talk about Myrna Loy without talking about William Powell. They starred in 14 films together and were one of the most popular teams in cinema history, and so inevitably we're going to be seeing Mr. Powell today too. Let's kick things off with a visit over to 1940s I Love You Again. Also starring one of my favorite Warner Brothers players and James Cagney's best friend, Frank McHugh. A little straight one. I wait. Make that two. Make it three. Make it four. Oh, thank you. No, I, uh, I don't indulge. Ah, so you're too good to drink with me, huh? Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, good night, gentlemen. Hey, what's the matter? I asked you to have a drink. And I refused. Oh, really? You can't do that. You can't insult me. Nonsense, Ryan. Mr. Wilson doesn't drink. I know. Grape juice, Wilson. Tonight he drinks. Uh, You've snooted me long enough on this boat. This is supposed to be a pleasure cruise. You've been nothing but a killjoy. Why don't you take off that stuffed shirt? Go on. Knock me down. <clears throat> You're inebriated. This is the story of uptight, tight-fisted, and somewhat boring businessman Larry Wilson, played by William Powell, who, while on a cruise liner, gets hit on the head. When he wakes up, he remembers that he's not, in fact, Larry Wilson, but a suave conman by the name of George Carey, who, before he lost his memory, was in the middle of a very big swindle. Last night I was on my way to the fight, with ten grand to bet. What fight? Don't you read the papers? The Schmeling scribbling fight. I must have missed it. I'll say you did. By about nine years. By about... What date's this? Here's the ship's news. April the 10th. 1940. That's a misprint. Honest, pal, that's right. But this is 1931. I gotta get the doctor. Matters are complicated when George arrives in New York and finds out that Larry was married and soon to be divorced from his beautiful wife, Kay, played by Myrna Loy, who can't seem to understand why her stuffy little husband is suddenly acting so strangely. I've made up my mind. You know, you know a, a, a thing like a divorce can break up a marriage. So I've heard. And uh, 
Uh, what's more, very often, what seemed like a really good reason for a divorce isn't a good reason for a divorce at all. Now, uh, take for example, suppose, uh, suppose I'd been beating you or uh, something like that. <laughs> I'd uh, like to see you try. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, well, if I had, uh, say, been running around with some other woman. Uh, you with a woman? Oh, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Yes, it seems that Kay has long ago fallen out of love with her stuffy little tightwad husband. But how will she feel about this new version? The rather more suave and certainly more crooked version. Along with fellow conman Doc Ryan, played by Frank McHugh, will George be able to pull off the big con of his dreams and get the girl of his dreams in the process? Well, if you haven't seen I Love You Again, you really have been missing out. This is one of the finest Powell and Loy pairings outside of The Thin Man, mostly because the dialogue is unbelievably good. Kay, dear, you know, I wish you would forget about the past. You know, I, I, I changed a lot lately. You couldn't change any more than one of your stuffed owls could change. Now, you be careful, madam, or you'll turn my pretty head with your flattery. I've often wished I could turn your head on a spit over a slow fire. Makes my blood run cold. Your blood was cold to begin with. I feel awfully good. Yeah? <laughs> awfully, awfully good. Oh, that's fine, darling, fine. <laughs> sort of sorry. Sorry? Hmm. I'm sort of sorry I'm not in love with you anymore, because if I were still in love with you, I'd be awfully in love with you. Yes, this is about as close to the repartee of the Charles family as you'll find outside of the Thin Man series. Add in a wonderful supporting cast, a preposterous but always fascinating setup, and you have an absolute classic that's as funny today as it was back then. I love the motion picture daily review from the original release, which stated that the audience was in continuous laughter and applause throughout the film. MGM has made the funniest motion picture this industry has seen in 10 years. And it's pretty hard to argue with that. It's a very, very funny film, and not just because of the dialogue. There's some really great physical comedy in it, too. There's a scene where William Powell and Frank McHugh have to hide in bed together, and it is hilarious. Look, I won't spoil it for you too much because I have a radio version for you in a moment, but trust me, buy it, steal it, con it out of someone, whatever you do, make sure you watch I Love You Again. It's a diamond. Well, while we're in Powell and Loy territory, let's give in to the inevitable, shall we, and talk about at least one Thin Man movie. An anomaly among the bunch, and one of my favourites. I mean, they're all good, but I have a particular soft spot for 1945's The Thin Man Goes Home, partly because of its intriguing mystery and its witty-as-ever banter, but mainly because it takes the Charles family out of their comfort zone and transplants the action into a dreamy, nostalgic spot in America's sepia-tinted past, the small town of Sycamore Springs, which we discover is Nick's hometown and the place in which his parents still reside. Nick Charles! Hiya, Clancy. Nick, I'm surprised at you. I thought you could handle the stuff. I tripped. I was chasing my dog. Oh, sure. Clancy, I've had nothing but a swig of cider all day. Nicky, are you hurt? I think he hurt his head, Mrs. Charles. He's been saying something about not drinking nothing but cider. And it's true. He's going down to visit his folks, and they don't like drinking. The Charles family are on vacation and have gone back to Sycamore Springs to visit with Nick's parents and to get some well-overdue rest and relaxation. But thanks to Nick's reputation as a master sleuth, the whole town is convinced that they're on a case which sends shivers through the suburbs where everyone seems to have a secret or two. 
It isn't long before this sleepy little town, filled with oddballs and gossips, is a hotbed of crime and murder, which all seems to center around a crazy old recluse in a shack just outside town, a mysterious water tower, a bullet that doesn't fit the crime, and a painting that everyone seems desperate to get their hands on. This? Oh, you don't want this? Oh, gracious me, no. But I do want oh, it. No, no, I can't sell that. That's by one of our local boys. It just came in. I have a standing offer for all of his work. Some crazy woman thinks he's a genius. <laughs> but I happen to like it. How much does the other woman pay you? Well, uh, $50. She buys all of his work. I'll give you $60. I beg $50. I said I'd give you $60. But you'll never make any money paying $60 for a $50 painting. But I don't want to make any money. My husband spent his whole youth in that windmill, and he's sentimental about it. Tomorrow is his birthday. Can't you understand that? Yes, but I promised her. She'd be awfully mad at me. Oh, don't worry about that. Yes, but I, I like to keep my promises. Ten? Fifty? I wish I'd gone into some other business. Sixty. There you are. Oh, don't worry about that. Thank you. Good day. Good day, and happy birthday. As I say, this may not be the best Thin Man film critically, but I do love the fact that it's so very different from the rest of the series. I love seeing Nick and Nora doing their thing in a small town. I love that we get to meet Nick's folks, and I love that they're played by Harry Davenport and Lucille Watson. I love that Nick's dad hates that his son is a private investigator. And I love, love, love the fact that Nora hates that Mr. Charles Sr. hates that too. Have you gone to work? What are you doing? Oh, same old thing. Oh, so you're still a policeman? Well, I'd hardly put it that way. No? How would you put it? I'd say that Nick was more of a genius. My Nick? You see, Nick doesn't actually work with the police. In fact, people call on him who think he's better than the police. He's paid very large fees because his work is important, extremely important. My dear Nora, I didn't say it wasn't important. <laughs> Well, you implied that you didn't think it was very important. You gave the impression that you thought that Nick walked up and down the street swinging a club. Oh, well, if I gave that impression, I'm heartily sorry. If Nick thinks it's important to be a policeman, that's all that matters. But you don't know what uh, he's uh, doing. Uh, darling, uh, why don't you pop out to the kitchen and uh, speed up the coffee? Hmm? Some of the cases Nick has solved were considered absolutely impossible. Darling, uh, let me show you the view from the front porch. What about the Wayne murder or the Fingers O'Toole case or the slaughterhouse mystery? Or take Stinky Davis. Stinky Davis? Stinky Davis? The Stinky Davis case illustrates what I mean about Nick. Yes, I'm sure it does, Nora. Do you still take two lumps in your stinky, I mean in your coffee? Nora is an absolute firecracker in this movie. I mean, she rolls up her sleeves and gets stuck in in all the films, but here she really comes into her own. Whether she's haggling for a painting or arguing with the Nick's dad or trying to put up a deck chair or conning her way through a train carriage by pretending that the dog she's holding is really a baby. Myrna Loy is superlative in this movie. Everyone's great in this movie, actually. I mean, you can't really beat Loy and Powell for star quality and performance. They really are the templates that no one has yet bettered, I think. I mean, we're so lucky that they work together so often because the world has 14 examples of movie perfection. So praise be that the stars align for them so often. Anyway, when it comes to the central mystery, it, it's quite engaging. But as always, you don't come to a Thin Man movie for the plot. You come for the dialogue, the romance, the comedy, the charm, the cocktails, the utter, utter magic. I'm happy to report that it's here in abundance, along with a very different and very intoxicating setting. God bless the Thin Man films. Long may they reign. 
Well, enough gabbing from yours truly. How about a spot of Miss Loy before we continue? Yes, today really is a bumper edition. We're going to head on over to the Lux Radio Theatre first for their wonderful adaptation of I Love You Again. It was adapted for radio twice, in fact. Once by Lux in 1941 and once again by Lux in 1948. Tragically, they couldn't seem to align Loy and Powell's schedules to reunite the team from the film. Their 1948 adaptation starred William Powell opposite Anne Southern, but their 1941 adaptation starred Myrna Loy opposite Cary Grant. So of course we'll be going for that hunk of treasure today. This is I Love You Again, then starring Myrna Loy, Cary Grant, and the darling that is Frank McHugh. So get your con on, and I'll see you in a while for more from Miss Loy. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Myrna Loy and Cary Grant in I Love You Again with Frank McHugh. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. (laughs) Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Somewhere in the voluminous files of the Lux Radio Theater, there's a hastily scrawled memo that says, Team Myrna Loy and Cary Grant next week. I think that note was written four or five years ago. And our chance came last week, when we discovered that through some happy studio miracle, Myrna was doing nothing but coaxing her flower garden to even greater glory, and the already tanned Mr. Grant was just lying on the beach tanning. A phone call to Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, and we had a comedy which made golden music at the box office. I Love You Again, from the story by Octopus Roy Cohn. Just imagine yourself walking into your own house, with no recollection of what you'd been doing for the last nine years. That's the situation Cary Grant faces in the role of Larry Wilson. And to complicate things a bit more, Myrna Loy, as Mrs. Wilson, is extremely doubtful of his whole behavior. We have some doubters in this audience, too, I've discovered. They want to know how I, a mere man, can speak so confidently about Lux Flakes. Between the lines of their letters, I can read, What, my dear sir, have you ever washed in it? Well, well, here's the answer. Right now, I'm probably one of the biggest customers our product has. When you're shooting a Technicolor picture like Reap the Wild Wind, you've got hundreds of brilliantly colored costumes to worry about. And in the course of a shooting schedule of about five months, those costumes get some pretty hard use. But we've got to keep them looking bright and fresh. And that's where Lux Flakes comes in. I know they're good business for me at Paramount, That's why I feel pretty safe in saying they're good business for you at home. Now the Lux Radio Theater curtain goes up once more. This time on I Love You Again. Starring Cary Grant as Larry Wilson and Myrna Loy as Kay. With Frank McHugh as Doc. You'll meet at least one on every ocean liner. He's usually found in the ship's lounge, drinking lemonade with the boys and talking about himself. He wears black suits and stiff collars, belongs to every club in his hometown, and never forgets his rubbers. He's a first-class bore. In our case, the bore is a certain Mr. Lawrence Wilson of Habersville, PA. At the bar of an ocean liner approaching New York Harbor, he's been boring three tired gentlemen for almost an hour. As yet, there's no sign of a let-up. Oh, yes, sir, gentlemen. That watch was given to me by the Habersville Chamber of Commerce. <coughs> Pretty fine watch, isn't it? Terrific. 
Well, uh, L.J. Hawksburn himself made the presentation. L.J. is one of the biggest men in our town. Now, I can remember every word he said. He said, it is my pleasure and privilege to present this token of our esteem to one of our first and foremost citizens, Lawrence Wilson, for his unfailing energy as chairman, as chair, chairman, he said, that's what he said, of the Habersville Morals and Clean Government Committee. Oh, fine, fine. Yeah. I'll bet you're some pumpkins back there in Habersville. Uh, yeah, well, you know how it is. <clears throat> well, gentlemen, last night out, how about having a farewell drink with me? A Dutch treat, of course. Yes, I figured that one out. Oh, uh, Stuart, service, please. Yes, sir. <clears throat> well, what'll it be, boys? Bourbon and soda. Make mine the same. All right, Stuart. <laughs> you know mine? Yeah, ginger ale and grape juice. Oh, come on now, Wilson. That's no drink. Oh, well, I'm sorry, fellas, but that's all I ever take. Hi, man. Hello, Ryan. Hi, fellas. Hi, Stuart. Fill her up. Hi, Wilson. How's the old sourpuss? <laughs> hey, Stuart, give the old sourpuss a drink. Thank you, Mr. Ryan, but I don't indulge. I don't indulge, eh? You're too good to drink with me, eh? I'm sorry. Good night, gentlemen. Come back here, you. Now, take it easy, Ryan. Mr. Wilson doesn't drink. I know. Grape juice Wilson. But tonight, he does. Listen, Wilson, you've snooted me long enough on this boat. Take off that stuffed shirt. Come on. Knock me down. Mr. Ryan, you're inebriated. Oh, so I'm inebriated, huh? I'll show you from inebriated. I'll walk a straight line with anybody on this boat. With anybody on any boat. I'll even go out there on the deck and walk along the rail. Oh, now, here, here, Ryan. Don't go out on deck. Inebriated, huh? Oh, now, come back, Ryan. Come inside. Let me go. I'll show you. Oh, Ryan, Ryan, you fall overboard. Let me go. And I'm going to wait on that no, rail. listen, Ryan, old man. There, how's that? Right up on the rail. Oh, now, come down. You're too intoxicated to realize your peril. What's this one, Wilson? Tightrope walking. I can balance myself like a... Hey. Oh, oh. Hey. Oh, oh, now be careful. Hold me. I'm slipping. Hey, hey, let me go. Help. Oh, no, let go. Hey. Oh, oh. look out. We're both falling. Oh. Oh, oh. let go. Oh. Let go. Oh. Let go. Oh, oh. oh. Man overboard. Man overboard. Blue Peterson and the lifeboat. Throw away there. Throw away. I saw it. I saw the whole thing. Mr. Ryan fell off the rail and Mr. Wilson jumped in to save him. Wilson, the grape juice man. He's a hero. Well, are the passengers all right, Doctor? I think they will be, Captain, but Mr. Wilson is still unconscious. Unconscious? Oh, he'll come around all right in the morning, Captain. He had a rather nasty blow on the temple. How did that happen? I'm not certain, but I believe when your men lowered the boat, one of your sailors hit him on the head with the oar. Mr. Oh. Stuff Wilson, old boy, open your eyes now. Oh, dear. Everything's fine. Wake up, pal. Oh, my. <clears throat> what happened? How do you feel, pal? Dizzy? Look at me, pal. It's your old friend, Ryan. Hmm? Ryan? You dirty rat. Come here. Oh, now, take it easy, pal. Take it easy. You stuck me. No, no, pal. Honest, it wasn't me. It was a sailor with an oar. Huh? Sailor with a... Uh... Hey, wait a minute. This is a boat. I'm on a boat. What's the idea? Why was I taking off that train? What train? You know what train, you double-crossing... Wait a minute, look. Don't you remember me? Ryan, Doc Ryan, your old shipmate? I never saw you before in my life. Holy smoke, you sure knocked you goofy. Why, you saved my life last night. What do I want to do that for? Gee, I don't know. I don't remember much, Mr. Wilson. Huh? What did you call me? Mr. Wilson, your name... Look, what's going on here? What's happened to me? Well, you took a dive for me last night when I fell overboard. You were socked in the head. You're a liar. 
I can't swim. Look, pal. Now will be a minute. The doctor's right down the corridor. Sit down. Last night I was on the way to the fight in New York. What fight? What fight? Don't you read the papers? The shaggy smelling fight. Hey. Hey, I must have missed it. I'll say you missed it by about nine years. Huh? Nine years? What date is this? Here. Here's the ship's news. April 10th, 1941. Let me see that. 1941? It's a misprint. No, honest, pal. That's right. But, but... Well, wait a minute. It was 1932 last night. Now, I've got to get the doctor. Now, sit down, sir. <laughs> I don't need a doctor. I need a drink. Okay, I'll ring for you. Ginger ale and grape juice. What? I want a drink, not a foot bath. Well, that's what you've been drinking. Buckets of it. What, ginger ale and grape juice? Well, there's no prohibition on these boats, is there? There's no more prohibition. Roosevelt did away with that. Roosevelt? Why, Teddy Roosevelt's no, been dead for... No, no. <laughs> I don't mean Teddy. I mean Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president. He's been elected three times. Oh, he's president. Hmm. How's he doing? Fine. Look, Mr. Wilson, I'm going to get... Why'd the... you keep calling me Wilson? My name's George Davis. George Davis? Hey, wait a minute. You're not the George Davis that was partners with Duke Sheldon in them con games. Well, what if I am? Well, gosh, don't be that way. After all, we're in the same business. Oh, is that so? What's your racket? Oh, I've been kind of working the boats, you know. Cards, a few tricks with the dice. Say, I get it now. You've been working this boat yourself under the name of Wilson. Oh, what are you talking about? The last thing I remember is getting on that train in 1932 to go to the fight. You mean you ain't got no line on yourself since then? No, I can't. Wait a minute. Somebody slugged me on that train in the card game. Well, what's happened since then? Where have I been? Hey, there's a name for this thing. Name for what? Absent memory, lost identity. Amnesia, that's it, amnesia. Is that what you got? No, that's what I've had. A blow on the head can make you forget the past. You live on as someone else. Perhaps forever, unless... Well, unless another shock, a blow brings you back to your right self. Ah, marvelous. You read about these things, you never figure them happening to yourself. Say, uh, um, what was this Wilson like? Oh, an awful heel. I like Davis better. Thanks. All you did, I mean, all Wilson did, was talk about Habersville. Habersville? Who's he? Not he. It. It's some burg in Pennsylvania. Never heard of it. Hey, uh, wonder if Mr. Wilson has any money. He should have. You were that, I mean, uh, Wilson was the closest mug I've ever seen. Oh, was he? Well, I think it might be a good idea to take an inventory of our Mr. Wilson's luggage. See, it's funny, ain't it? Here we are talking about you and a guy named Wilson, and you're both guys. Look at this suit. I must have borrowed that from an undertaker. What's all this stuff? Hair restorers, saltine crackers, dyspepsia tablets? I got a bottle of goggle. Yeah, I certainly took good care of Wilson. Here's a lot of papers and stuff. Boy, <laughs> were you a joiner? Rotary, Elks, Owls, Community Chest, Primrose League. Wait a minute. What's it? A bank book. Oh, no, we're getting somewhere. Give it to me. Abbotsville National Bank. Lawrence Wilson checking account C. $147,000.83. Let me take a look at that. And that's the C account. That means there must be an A and B as well. It might even go right through the alphabet. Yeah. Hey, uh, <clears throat> why wouldn't it be a good idea for Mr. Wilson to pay a visit to Happersville? Just long enough to get the money, huh? Do you think he can swing it? That's worth trying. There's a fortune in this thing. Hey, Doc, how'd you like to go in on it with me? Do you mean it? I'll cut you in for 25%. I'd have done it for 10 After all, you saved my life. Well, look, uh, I'm going to need some money. 
think I'll send a radio grant to the Hattiesville National Bank. I'll tell them to send me five grand to the Whitney Hotel tomorrow morning when we land. Twenty-five percent of five grand. Oh, boy, what a cut. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. There's one thing, Doc. You've got to stick close to me. If anybody starts asking questions, if I seem to be getting into a tight spot, I'll pull a feint. And don't you forget to catch me. Trust me, pal. I'll be a regular Florence Nightingale. Come on, Doc. Snap it up. Go right to the hotel. Seems to have a built bank. Is set that. Well, well. What's the matter? Yoo-hoo, here I am. Oh, get a load of that girl over there. There's a dish for you, huh? Wonder who she's waving to. Come on, come on. Keep your mind on your work. Larry! Oh, Larry! Huh? Larry? Hey, that's you. Oh, Larry, are you all right? Huh? For me? Sure, sure. I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I, uh, how are you? Well, Larry, the papers all said you were injured. Oh, well, nothing serious. You know how papers are. Well, it certainly is good to see you. Yes, I know you're surprised. <laughs> surprised isn't the word. Uh, 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 Larry. Uh... <laughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, this is Doc Ryan. Doc, this is... Uh, uh, uh... <laughs> yes, sir. Good old Doc Ryan. <laughs> how are you, Dr. Ryan? Well, never met better, miss. Thanks to Larry. You know, Larry, Habersville is pretty proud of that rescue. Oh, Habersville, eh? Well, well, well. Good old Habersville. Mm, did you, uh, uh, did you just leave there? When I read you were hurt, I didn't know how seriously. Naturally, I had to come. Oh, well, naturally. Well, <laughs> well, it certainly is good to see you. Yes, so you said. I don't know. Well, it's worth repeating. Larry, you seem so strange. Who, me? Me? Oh, no, that's just because you haven't seen me for a while. Before you know it, uh... We'll be right back where we were. Larry, what in heaven's name is the matter with you? Nothing. Why? I, uh, well, I'm just, uh, surprised to see you here. Well, what's so surprising about that? Habersville would think it very proper for a wife to meet her husband. Oh, I don't know about... Huh? <laughs> wife? Did you... Did she... Oh, oh! <laughs> Larry, what is it? What's the matter? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. I'm fine. I'm just, uh... <laughs> I'm wonderful. Oh, no, no, you're not. You're sicker than you think. You need a lot of rest and oh, quiet. Oh, nonsense, nonsense. I never felt better in my life. I'll take you to your hotel. Huh? Oh, uh, sure. Oh, now, listen, Larry. Now, go away, Doc. Go away. Can't a man speak to his own wife? find everything very satisfactory, sir. This suite is one of our very best. Sure, sure. Thank you very much. That's all for now. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, dear? Larry, a whole suite. It isn't like you. Oh, now the best is none too good for you, uh, Mrs. W. <laughs> well, uh, here we are, just us two. Cozy, isn't it? Uh, Larry, I'd like to talk a bit if you feel up to it. Oh, talk. Oh, talk, yes. <laughs> well, of course, uh, sit down, dear. If you don't mind, I'll sit over here. Uh, I don't know quite how to begin. Huh? Begin what? Well, I've had a long time to think things over. I've decided once and for all to go through with the divorce. The divorce? Yes. Well, uh, uh... Oh, but now wait, you can't do that. I've made up my mind, Larry. Yes, but a divorce, why, that, that that's awful. After all, we mustn't be too hasty about this thing. I wouldn't call five years exactly hasty. Mm, well, some mightn't, some mightn't. Mm. You know, a thing like a divorce, well, it can break up a marriage. So I've heard. Now, now, what's more, very often what really seemed a good reason for a divorce isn't a good reason for a divorce at all. Now, uh, take, for instance, if I'd, uh, well, well, if I'd beaten you or something like that. <laughs> I'd like to see you try it. Well, then, uh, say I'd been uh, running around with some woman. You with a woman? Oh, don't be ridiculous. Oh, well, 
after all, you know, sometimes a vacation can change a man a lot, the sea air and all that. I'm afraid it'll take more than sea air to change you, Larry. Oh, what's the matter with me? Look, look, let's forget the divorce and try it just once more, starting from scratch, huh? It's too late, Larry. Nonsense, it's never too late. Why, I'll tell you what we'll do. There's someone at the door. Oh, that's all right, ignore it. Go away. You might as well answer it, Larry. I'm leaving anyway. Oh, but listen. I'll be at the Shorehaven until tomorrow if you want to get caught. Oh, hello, Mrs. Wilson. Why, Mrs. Wilson. Oh, Mr. Billings, how are you? Oh, couldn't be keener, thanks. I'm just leaving. I'll probably be seeing you, though. Yeah, I hope so. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye. Oh, wait, don't go. Goodbye, Larry. Well, well, Mr. Wilson, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with you. That's what you think. Say, <laughs> hey, Larry, I met Mr. Billings in the lobby. He came all the way from the Habersville National Bank. That's right. Bank? <laughs> <Hey>. Oh, <laughs> well, well, Mr. Billings, how are you? I couldn't be keener, thanks. Well, shall we get right down to business? Oh, yes, indeedy. I got your wireless, Mr. Wilson, and uh, here's your money. Uh, <laughs> 5000 uh, 5000 Here you are, sir. Well, well, I call that service. Me too. <laughs> now, now, let me see. These 5000 here make you 2700 overdrawn. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Overdrawn? Well, when, when you went away, you had a deposit with us, $2,800. Uh-huh. Then we paid 500 for you on that plot of land at Marshall's subdivision. <laughs> oh, by the way, here's your deed for that. <laughs> and, uh, and I owe the bank $2,700? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, but the bank was only too glad to accommodate you. <laughs> uh, well, uh, what about those other accounts, the uh, B and C accounts? Oh, oh, those. Well, those are separate. Oh, well, fine. Go ahead. <laughs> well, here we are. In the C account, we have $147,000.83. <laughs> <laughs> Look, would, uh, would you repeat that, please, sort of uh, slowly? Oh, sure. <laughs> $147,000.83. <laughs> that's the community chest account. <laughs> huh? <laughs> I said that's the community chest account. Naturally, all checks drawn on that have to be countersigned by Mr. Sims. Miss Breathway, two directors of the fund, and yourself. Oh. What about the National Guard? Don't they have to sign them, too? <laughs> well, now, in the B account, which is the Anti-Vice League Fund, we have... Uh, the the oh, Anti-Vice League. Uh, uh-huh. uh, I think I'd rather not know how much we have there. Oh, well, well, just you say, Mr. Wilson. Well, I'd better run along. I trust I've made everything clear. Oh, terribly clear. Give my greetings to Mr. Sims and Miss Breathway. Oh, you? I will indeed. I will. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Um, uh, the more I learn about Larry Wilson, the more I like termites. Raising all that good dough for the anti-vice league. You certainly were a stinker. Yeah, wasn't I? <laughs> oh. Wait a minute. Now, Larry Wilson may be a dope, but in Hampersville, he's trusted and respected, huh? Sure. A guy that raises thousands of dollars for a chest certainly ought to be able to raise a little for himself. Well, let's see. Mm. Well, it's Pennsylvania. How about oil? There's a lot of money in oil. Oh, we'll do it, Doc. We'll locate Duke Sheldon. He specializes in oil. We'll wire him to meet us down there. Wait a minute. What about your wife? Huh? Oh, no. Oh, dear. She's divorcing me. I meet a girl, and in 20 minutes, she's divorcing me. Now, can't let her do that. I need her more than ever now. What for? Oh, with a divorce going on, Larry Wilson couldn't sell peanuts in a town like that. Now, where's my coat? Where are you going? To the Shorehaven. To call on the little woman. Who is it? Open this door. Take it easy. Open the door, I'll smash it down. Hey, what's the idea? Where is she? Where are you hiding her? Kay? Kay? Hey, who are you? You know very well who I am. Do I? Uh, what I mean is, uh, who do you think you are? Where is she, Larry? Come on. Well, where's who? You know who. Where's Kay? She was here with you. Kay. Oh, was that Kay? Shut up. 
She's uh, been here. I looked at the register. How did you now? Yes, Lawrence Wilson and wife. That's how you signed it, you dirty sneak. What do you mean by that? Well, after all, she is my wife, isn't she? Yes, she may be your wife, but she's engaged to me. Holy smoke. Engaged to you? Now, wait. Why should Kay want to divorce me? Answer me that. You know why. Oh, do I? I mean, uh, well, of course I do, but do you? I'll say I do, and so does everybody who knows you. Why, it's written all over you. Kay wasn't married to you. Kate McLean, Kate McLean. She was married to the Rotary, the Kiwanis, the Lions, and the Greater Habersville Committee. Boy, is that bigamy. Will you please get rid of your wisecracking stooge? We'll settle this thing between the two of us. There's nothing to settle. Things and people have changed. All bets are off. From now on, it's every man for himself. You promised Kay a divorce. I might have known you wouldn't keep your word, you dirty double-crossing. Oh, you've been asking for this. And you ask for this. I guess you forgot I was the amateur champ of Boonton County. Well, so long, Larry. Hi, pal. Come on now. Wake up, pal. Wake up. Boy, are you going to have a shiner? Oh, my. Well, he might at least have told me his name. Now, get me out. Where's the phone? What for? I'm going to call my wife. You don't think I'm going to take this lying down, do you? You were doing pretty well just a minute ago. <laughs> I'm going to call her and take her out to dinner. And just let that guy try to interfere, that's all. A husband has some rights in this state. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Champagne. Good old bubbly. <laughs> Nothing like it, is there, dear? Have some more? Thank you, I've had enough. And if you ask me, Wilson, so have you. Who asked you? Look, darling, did you have to bring your bodyguard along with us? Herbert and I are engaged, Larry. Oh, yes, Herbert, and you're engaged. Mm, that's what he said this morning, didn't you, Herb? Now, look here, Wilson. Kay and I came here tonight for only one reason. We want to know what you're going to do about the divorce. The divorce? Oh, Kay can have the divorce. She can? Yes, in a month or six weeks. But I am opposed to this unseemly haste. Somebody might get the idea my wife didn't like me. Oh, you can't fool me, Wilson. It's not Kay you're thinking of. It's the Chamber of Commerce. Huh? Of course, I might have known. Six weeks, you said. And by an odd coincidence, that happens to be the date set for the election for president of the Chamber of Commerce. Oh, now, wait. No wonder you ordered the best suite in town and dining here tonight at the most expensive restaurant. Everything you've done since you got off that boat, all for the Chamber of Commerce. Oh, well, not all. Honestly, Kay. You're just afraid a divorce will hurt your chances. But I'm not going to ruin my life so you can win an election. I should say not. Very well, then. Unless Kay comes back to Habersville with me for six weeks and palms herself off as my devoted and loving wife, I'll fight the case. I would feel it my duty. If he feels it's his duty, that we're strong. Mm. We'll have to give it. Herb, you're taking my wife. The least you can do is give me the Chamber of Commerce. Well, all right, you win. Mm, thanks, Herb. <laughs> I believe this is your hotel, Wilson. That's right. Mm -hmm. Thanks very much, Herb. Well, good night, Kay, dear. Good night, Larry. Uh, <clears throat> Kay, uh, do you think, uh, that is, if Herbert doesn't mind, if I kissed you goodbye? Now, now, listen. It's all right, Herbert. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, that's right. Not a thing. I just lean this way a little, dear. <laughs> oh, well, go on. Lift your hat a little. Mm. Well, that's the girl. Mm. All right, Wilson. That's enough. I said that's enough. Now, look here, Wilson. Say, what do you think this is? Now, cut it off. Let her go. For heaven's sake. Doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> well, farewell, Kay, and don't look back. It'll be easier. So long, Herb. <laughs>
Mill presents Act Two of I Love You Again, starring Myrna Loy, Cary Grant, and Frank McHugh. Now I'm going to ask Lou Silvers to play a march for us. All right, Lou. <laughs> a march? You wouldn't get very far if you traveled at that rate of speed. Well, now listen to this. Now, that's more like it. Yes, it's three times as fast. And that illustrates one important fact about new quick lux. It's three times as fast. In water as cool as your hand, new quick lux gives you suds three times as fast as any of ten other leading soaps. Not just twice as fast, three times as fast. That's one reason so many women prefer lux flakes, Mr. Ruick. Yes, indeed, Sally. And there are other reasons. Of course. We know we can count on lux for purity. That's right, Sally. You see, some soaps contain harmful alkali, which weakens fabrics and fades colors. But New Quick Lux hasn't a bit of harmful alkali. It's safe for anything safe in plain water. And a little goes so far, it's thrifty, too. No wonder twice as many women use Lux flakes for stockings, underthings, sweaters, and nice dresses. Twice as many as use any other flakes, chips, or beads. Buy a big box of New Quick Lux flakes tomorrow for your pretty water. It's fast, thrifty, and so gentle that it keeps things new-looking longer. You'll find new quick luck at your groceries in the same familiar package at no extra cost to you. We pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. I Love You Again, starring Myrna Loy as Kay and Cary Grant as Larry, with Frank McHugh as Doc. Larry Wilson, amnesia victim and confidence man extraordinary, is piecing together the jigsaw puzzle of a life he doesn't remember. And with a wife like Kay as one of the principal parts, he's looking forward to finishing the picture. Traveling by separate compartments, they've taken the train back home to Habersville, but to avoid gossip, they get off arm in arm with Doc Ryan, two steps to the rear. Ah, Habersville. Good old Habersville. Why, the very air smells different in Habersville. That's the glue factor. Oh. Hey, Larry, look. It's a welcome committee. Oh, I mean? Of course, you know you're a hero. Hiya, Larry. Well, hiya, Larry. Let me see you. Huh? Oh, hello. Oh, Larry, I'm so proud. Let me kiss you, darling. Snake, snake. Now, I got the wife of me now, Scram, eh? Oh, dear. Hello, Mother. Hey, darling. Mother? Oh, oh, Mother. Well, well, how are you, Mother? Doesn't she look wonderful, Kay? My mother usually looks all right. Uh, oh, your mother. Sure, well, that's what I mean. She looks fine. You're looking wonderful yourself. But you've changed, Larry. Oh, what is well, it? vacation, you know. Nothing like a vacation to change a man. Larry, here's Mayor Carver. Oh, hello, my boy. Welcome home. Well, well. <laughs> hello, Mayor Carver. How's the old chief executive? Habersville's mighty proud of you, my boy. And here's Habersville's highest award. The key to our city. Well, thank you, Mayor. Thank you, folks. And now, Larry, it's my proud privilege to present a gift on behalf of the municipal band. A solid silver bugle. Well, thank you, Mayor. Much obliged, fellas. And now I hope you lead us all in singing the Habersville Town Song. 
your own brilliant composition. Huh? <clears throat> oh, yes. Well, yes, of course. Well, Larry, suppose <laughs> you start us off with the fanfare on your new bugle. my own food. That is, if I don't faint again before I get there. Well, good night, dear. All right, wait a minute. Okay. Would you like some eggs? Well, more than anything in the world. Almost. Well, come on down to the kitchen. Okay. Okay, you don't know what this means to me. Never mind the sentence. We're going down to eggs. Yeah, darling. More toast? No. Champagne? No. Coffee? A little. I can't get over it. The last time we had champagne in this house was three years ago on New Year's Eve. And the boss came to dinner. And even that was a bottle my mother gave us for Christmas. Well, I wish you'd forget about the past, Kay. The fact of the matter is, I've changed quite a bit lately. Oh, no, not you, <laughs> You couldn't change any more than one of your stuffed owls could change. Oh, but Kay. No, I feel awfully good. Awfully, awfully good. <laughs> you do? <laughs> oh, well, that's fine. Here, uh, um, let me fill up your cup. You know, I'm sort of sorry. Uh, sorry? <laughs> I'm sort of sorry I'm not in love with you anymore. Because if I were still in love with you, I'd be awfully in love with you right now. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'd like to show you the most wonderful game of two-handed post office. I think I'd better drink my coffee now. Yeah, but listen, Kay, how about the post... Listen, we'd better have an understanding. I'm in this house simply because of our agreement mm -hmm. to convince the general public that I'm still your wife. Well, all right. Convince me. I'm one of the public. That strikes me as a pretty foul thing to say about the public. Okay. You're certainly making me pay for those scrambled eggs. You're not even eating them. Well, I'm not hungry. Oh, you're not. Uh, that is, I mean, uh, well... You're not hungry. I see. You got me out of bed and spoiled my sleep, but you're not hungry. Well, I'm not really. I guess... You don't want to eat your nice scrambled eggs? No, dear. Then how would you like to wear them over your ears? Kate! Good night, Kate. 
Good night. Hello, Mrs. Wilson. How's my patient? Insufferable. Hi, Larry. How'd you make out with her? Just dandy. Hey, what have you got in your head? Scrambled eggs. What do you think? <laughs> I didn't know. No. What'd you find out in town? It's pie. Uh-huh. The town's loaded with dough. Just right for an oil boom. Hey, not so loud. Did you phone the hotel? Yeah, Sheldon just got in. He's going to plant the oil tomorrow. Good. Now, uh, now, what about me? You're the manager of a big pottery works here. What? Oh, I make pots? Yeah. You may not have any money, but you've certainly got plenty of pots. Oh, <laughs> pots. That's just what I've always wanted. A whole lot of pots. <laughs> Welcome back, Mr. Wilson. The office hasn't been the same without you. Oh, thank you, boys. Thank you very much. Right now, we've all got our little jobs to attend to. That's right, boys. On the job now. Oh, say, Mr. Wilson, I've got some great news. Seventy hours from kill to shipping. Oh, fine. Now, uh, shall we bear down on the jigger wheel or on the pug mill? Uh, uh, oh, on the uh, bugger wheel. (laughs) By all means. Okay. Mr. Wilson, your wife is here. Oh, my wife, yes. Well, send her in. Outside, everybody. To your jobs, please. Well, uh, hello, Kay. Hello, Larry. What would you like to hit me with this morning? I can recommend the inkwell. <laughs> the inkwell, right there. I'm not going to apologize. You were terribly aggravating. Oh, well, then I'll apologize. I should have ducked. Larry, it's the 15th. Hmm? Well, certainly it's the 15th. By all means, the 15th. That means tomorrow is the 16th. <laughs> oh, dear. What? Something wrong? It's just continually amazing to me the things you can think of to keep from writing a check. A check? Oh, yeah, the 15th, yes. I guess we've established that, all right. Well, now, just slip my mind, Kay. All the excitement of getting home, you know, and... Uh, well, now, let me see now. That, uh, that would be how much? You know perfectly well how much. And don't try to tell me that slipped your mind. Well, no, certainly not. Now, uh, mm, uh, well, what about $200? What? Well, just for the time being, of course. If you run short, just call on me. Well, don't wake me up. Let me dream. Well, goodbye. I'm going shopping. Oh, no. We're going shopping. You need a man's advice. No, thanks. The last time I went shopping with you, I ended up in a cut-price Mother Hubbard. Yes, yes, and today you may end up in a creation by Charmaine. Come on. Just a minute. Where did you learn about Charmaine? Hmm? Oh, uh, uh, I read about it on the boat. I see. Do you know how much a Charmaine creation might cost? Uh, about a hundred, two hundred. What's the difference? Larry, do you mind if I just faint quietly? Tea. Ah, yes, tea. Nothing like tea after a hard day's shopping, is there? Just look at the rain out there. And here we sit warm and cozy. I love this place. Well, so do I. Now, look, uh, you see those tea leaves? You want your fortune told? Please. Well, uh, here we go. <clears throat> I, uh, I see someone in your life. It's a man. No. Mm, yes, it is. It's a tall, dashing, handsome man with a striped tie, just like mine. Go on. Well, isn't that enough? He's tall, he's handsome, and uh, very dashing. That's what puzzles me, the dashing. It's there, all right, and I don't understand it. Oh, nothing at all. Give me your cup. I tell fortunes, too. All right. Well, uh, well, see anybody I know? Mm-hmm. It's a woman. Wonderful. What does she look like? Suppose you tell me. Well, uh, she's about five foot five, lovely complexion, hair just like yours. Seriously, Larry, I'd like to know what she's like. Who? The woman. The one who taught you about Charmaine and dancing and, and being dashing? Oh, uh, oh, her. Where'd you meet her, on the boat? Uh, yes, sort of. Of course, if you don't want to talk about it. 
Well, now, there's really not much to talk about. I mean, uh, nothing's really happened yet. Oh, but it will, Larry. I'm sure of it. Honey, honey, if you're sure of it, that's good enough for me. I know it's none of my business, but uh, I've been worried that you might have changed like this, you know, to please me and maybe patch things up. But, of course, that's out of the question. My plans are all made with Herbert. Oh, Herbert. <laughs> should have stuffed Herbert. That's all I should have done. <laughs> Herbert. Have you ever taken a good look at Herbert? Now, listen here, Larry. Don't spoil everything. Well, you can take a good look at him now. He's just outside the window making faces at us. Look at the poor man. Oh, my goodness. I had a date with Herbert. He'll never forgive me standing out there in the rain. Poor thing. Goodbye, Larry. Wait, wait. You can have him clean the press. you look just as good as new. Oh, keep quiet. Evening, Mother dear. Larry, listen. Herbert's been here all evening. He just left. I don't like it. Well, neither do I, Mother, but what can I do? You can go and speak to Kay about it. Yeah. Where is she? In her room. And if you have to, kick in the door. Oh, Mother, you pioneer woman. <laughs> See you later. Who is it? It's me, Larry. Open the door or I'll kick you down. What? Open the door. You hear me? Oh. Oh! <laughs> well, uh, <coughs> hello. I, <laughs> I thought it was locked. Well, suppose it had been. I would have kicked it down. What for? Well, <laughs> so I could come in. Larry, I've just spent two hours straightening things out with Herbert. Don't you think you've gotten me into enough trouble for today? No. Sometimes you remind me of a high school boy on a street corner whistling at girls. Mm, well, it's romantic to whistle at the opposite sex. Birds do it. Love birds. Love birds don't whistle. They coo. They do, too, so whistle. Sort of a low cooing whistle, like this. <laughs> gets you, doesn't it? <laughs> Not particularly. Oh, it gets me. I once knew of a case where a female lovebird locked a male lovebird out of her nest. He stood outside and cooed for hours. <laughs> oh, it's pitiful. Poor fella. Finally, lost his temper and kicked the door of the cage down. And what do you think the female lovebird did then? Gave him a sharp peck at the base of the skull. Not at all. She put her soft little wing around him inside. And laid him an egg. compliments and try your best to please me. You were just as nice and sweet and kind as you could be, and you know it. Oh, well, when you put it that way, I guess I've been a heel. <laughs> You're not getting anywhere, and I wish you'd stop it. Hmm? I want you to be yourself. Your owl-stuffing, speech-making, pompous old self. Oh, well, now, let's get this clear. You're upset because I'm acting as though I found you lovely. Yes. But you are lovely. There you go again. Oh, well, I was only... Larry! Now, I've got something to tell you. And I don't want you to say another word. Not a word? Just keep quiet, understand? Well, all right. You said before that I was lovely, mm -hmm. attractive mm -hmm. to you. Well, that's not so. It's your pride, that's all. You're losing me, so suddenly I seem worth holding on to. But it isn't me. It's just the idea of ever giving up anything that ever belonged to you. You don't love me, and you never did. Public opinion is the only thing you love. Public opinion, public buildings, public positions. That's why I resent your attentions. And that's why my door is going to stay locked as long as I'm in this house. 
Now, if you've got anything to say, please make it short. Oh. <laughs> oh, you get out of here. Oh, now, gosh, Kay, there's nothing to cry about. I was only... Oh, please go away. Please. Oh. All right, Kay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Danielle returns in a moment for Act Three of I Love You Again, starring Cary Grant, Myrna Loy, and Frank McHugh. But now, it's a lovely summer night, but Anne's not dancing. She's upstairs, all alone, packing her bags. There, that's done. And tomorrow morning I can get away from here, thank goodness. I hate it. I've been so lonely, so awfully lonely. Darn that music. Of course she's unhappy, planning all year for that two weeks vacation full of fun and dates and dances, only to have it turn out a miserable, lonely failure. Libby, what would you say to girls like Anne? Well, there's one thing I'd like to say to Anne and to all the thousands of girls who are planning weekends and vacations now. It's just this. If you're looking forward to good times, new friends, perhaps romance, then be sure that everything you wear is fresh and sweet and dainty. For neglect of daintiness is one of the surest reasons for finding yourself left out of things. Not invited, not one of the crowd. People won't tell you what's the matter. They just leave you alone. It's cruel, but it's true. The only thing to do is never, never take chances. And after all, it's very easy to protect daintiness nowadays because new quick lux takes away perspiration fast. It takes only a minute or so to lux under things every night, and then you know you won't offend. Dresses need frequent luxing, too, and that's just as easy. Any dress safe in water, you know, is safe in lux. I'm sure if Anne had taken Libby's advice, she would have felt something like this as she packed her bags at the end of her vacation. There, I guess everything's packed. My, I hate to leave and say goodbye to everybody, but Bob says he won't let me say goodbye to him. Oh, it's been such a wonderful time. Just perfect. Producer Mr. DeMille. Curtain rises on the third act of I Love You Again. There's no use arguing with Kay Wilson because her mind's made up. The door's been closed on Larry and he's shut out of her life. In his office the next morning, Larry has decided to go through with his oil swindle and call it quits. It's a cinch, pal. Duke's got an option on all the land surrounding yours. Now, here's the map. That my name there? That's it, Marsh Creek. Marsh Creek, huh? Now, what about the oil? Duke planted it all over the place. It's oozing up through the creek to beat the band. But nobody's given it a tumble yet. Say, it might take weeks for anybody to see it out there in that jungle. Yeah, well, we'd have to fix that somehow. Marsh Creek, huh? Have to get the yokels down there. Did you get a line on any of them? Did I? Take a look at this. All the big income tax brackets. Mm-hmm. Landed Hawkesbury. Hmm. Look at that. An income of 210 grand. Edward Littlejohn, 131,000. If we could only get a couple of these old boys to go swimming in that creek. Yeah, swimming in oil up to their necks. How are we going to do it? Oh, Mr. Wilson. Uh, yes, Miss, uh, Miss, uh... Is it all right for Corporal Bellison now? Uh, what do you mean, is it all right? It's Thursday, you know. Oh, that's right, so it is. Who is Corporal Bellinson? Oh, who is Corporal Bellinson? You tell him, Miss, uh... Oh, he has a ranger medallion, two silver stars, and a community stripe. You don't say. You may come in, Corporal. Good 
morning, sir. Corporal Valentin reporting to Scout Leader Wilson. Scout Leader? Who's that scout? Why, good morning, Corporal. Mr. Wilson, the troop is very proud of you, sir. That rescue at sea. Well, thank you. It's 2 o'clock, Mr. Wilson. The troop's outside already. Where are they going? Well, that's up to Mr. Wilson. Uh, oh, he can't go this morning. But it's Hawksburg's test today, sir. It is out of the question. Uh, 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 wait. Did you say Hawksburg? Well, yes, sir. What, you mean uh, uh, Leonard Hawksburg's little boy? Sure, Junior. He's been waiting for you to get back to take the test for first-class ranger. And so is little John. Uh, little little oh. John, eh? Well, of course, yes. Oh, well, I've worked out a special test for today, a sort of a test by water. You remember, Doc, we were just talking about the water test? Of course, very interesting. That's splendid, sir. But first, how about shooting the buck? All right, I'll fade it. Dr. <laughs> I'm ashamed of you, Corporal, gambling at your age. What? <clears throat> this morning, Corporal, we have a new test. Brand new. Really, sir? Yes, indeed. The swimming test. Tell the men we're leaving in ten minutes for uh, Marsh Creek. Mr. Wilson, sir. Yes, Corporal? We've just taken the test, sir, and I'd like to report that the whole troop is all over tar. Tar? Well, where did you get tar on you? In the creek, sir. Oh, Corporal, this is terrible. Tell the troop to report to their homes. I imagine their fathers will find a way to take it off. Troop 7, report home and get the tar washed off. Well, come in, Mr. Hawksburg. Come in, gentlemen. Sit right down. How are you, Larry? Fine. Uh, This is uh, Dr. Ryan. Mr. Hawksburg, doctor. How are you? How do you do? This is Mr. Little John, Mr. Bell. How do you do, sir? Well, gentlemen, to what do I owe this visit? Larry, I'll come right to the point. The responsible element of this town wants to do something concrete to show our appreciation for what you've done for Haversley. Oh, come now, gentlemen. I've done nothing. You've done a lot, Larry. Of course, my boy. And this is what we've decided to do. You own a piece of land here near Mars Creek. Yes, I believe I do. Well, the state is building a new highway through the suburbs, and we've brought some pressure to see that it runs out through your land. We can take it off your hands at a good profit. Well, now, that's awfully decent of you. I only paid 2500 for that piece, you know. Now, what would you say to a check for $10,000? A cool profit of 7500 Why? Why, that's 300% of my investment. Oh, it's too much. We feel you've got it coming to you, Larry. Of course, oh, my boy. You make me feel like a prophet here. Not at all, not Excuse at all. Excuse me, gentlemen. Somebody at the door. Well, Larry, my boy, what do you say? Oh, it's a deal, gentlemen. Splendid. I've got a check right here. Oh, I've got the deed right here someplace. <laughs> I must see Mr. Wilson at once, sir. A matter of the utmost importance. But he's busy. He can't be disturbed. He can and will be disturbed. Now, just a minute, you. Stand aside, sir. Sorry to intrude, gentlemen. Which one of you is Mr. Wilson? Well, uh, I am Mr. Wilson, sir. Thank you. My name is Sheldon, Colonel E.J. Sheldon. Oh, well, uh, how do you do, Colonel? Mr. Wilson, I'll be brief. You're owner of Marsh's subdivision, I believe. Oh, yes. Splendid. I'm prepared to make you a handsome offer for that land, $25,000. Uh, what? You mean that? I'm not in the habit of joking, sir. Oh, well, Colonel Shelton must have heard about the new road. New road? I know of no road. I'm in the gravel business, Mr. Wilson, and your land contains valuable deposits of this substance. Uh, gravel on my land? Why, it's ridiculous. Of course it is. Larry, we'll match his offer dollar for dollar. You will? Why, that's wonderful. Yes, indeed. Larry, what are you doing? Are you selling the lot you own? No, not yet, Kay, but it looks like I will. You know what's on the land? Uh, well, yes, dear. Yes, I know all about the gravel deposits. Gravel deposits? My foot. It's oil. Huh? Oh, just oil. a wild rumor. Just a wild rumor, I'm sure. It These isn't a wild rumor. And... This is oil. Gobs of it. I just heard about it. Oil. Oh, Colonel Sheldon, you've no right to come in and try to swindle one of our town's leading citizens. Uh, of course Permit not. me to inform you that I have options on all the surrounding land. I'll give you 100000 for a half interest in your property, Mr. Wilson. Now, look here, Colonel oh, Sheldon. I couldn't think of it. My final offer is 200000 Now, wait a minute. Uh, Colonel Sheldon, suppose we buy you up. With what? With hard cash. How much do you want for your up? I only want 
down four parcels. I'll take 50,000 each. Oh, all right, it's a deal. We'll meet later tonight and sign all the papers. Yeah. Yes, indeed. That was great work, pal. A clean profit of 200,000 smackers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what happened to Kay? Kay? Oh, I saw Glad a minute ago with a letter in her hand. Say, that reminds me. How did she know about the oil? That's what I want to find out. Okay, okay. Wait a second. Hello, Larry. Uh, if your arm is going my way, I'll give it a lift. Thanks. Well, I deduce from your lack of hat as well as the envelope in your hand that you're going to mail a letter. Yes, to Herbert. Hmm? I'm still so mad I could explode. Those crooks pretending to be your friends. And Herbert's no better. He acted as though I were a common thief. Thought I ought to be glad of a chance to pick a pocket legally. Oh, so that was how you knew. Yes, Herbert came to me. He wanted me to get the land from you. Larry? You're the only honest one in the whole crowd. Me? You're really too good for this town. Uh, no, not really. Oh, here's the mailbox. And that's that. Uh, <laughs> exit Herbert? Exit Herbert. Uh. I want to walk. Let's go up on top of the hill, shall we? Delighted. Isn't it a lovely view from here? Yeah, yeah it's certainly worth the climb. Larry, don't tell me you've forgotten this place. Huh? Oh, forgot. Oh, no. How could I forget it? It was right about here. No, no. I would have said it was a little more to the left. I think you're right. Remember what you said? Uh, vaguely. You said, Kay, darling, marriage is the soundest investment two people can make. Ooh. Did I say... Oh. Kay, whatever made you marry me? Well, I felt that underneath that watch chain with all its large pins and trophies, there was another person, an exciting person, the sort of man I dreamt about marrying. He wasn't really there, though, was he? Oh, yes. But I didn't find him for a long time. I'm sorry I didn't find him sooner. Oh, now, don't apologize for what you thought about me. You were right. You're still right. I was terribly wrong. But I was afraid of falling in love with you again. Uh, well, if you were afraid then, you should be twice as afraid now. I don't understand that, Larry. Oh, darling, I hope you never will. Well, I'd better be getting back. Come on, let's go. Wait a minute. You make me sick, Larry. Huh? If there's anything that turns my stomach, it's a man who acts noble. Noble? You know darn well you love me. You're just being noble and giving me up because something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to find out. Oh, now, Kay, wait. Ever since you got off that boat, you've been chasing me like, like an amorous goat. You've been trying your darndest to make me fall in love with you. And now you have. Now, I'm going to do the chasing. And believe me, brother, before I'm through, you're going to know you've been chased. Kiss me. Well? Oh, I know it right now. <laughs> Come on, pal. You've got to get over to Duke's room. All those big shots are going to be there. Larry, what's the matter with you? Doc, how'd you like to work in my pottery mill? What's the angle? Making pots. What do you think? A chance to eat regularly and sleep regularly. Maybe have a little home of your own with a porch and a garden. Gee, sounds wonderful. Well, I'm glad you like it, Doc, because that's what we're going to do. What? You're crazy. We can't stay here after the oil deal. Uh, you know, you're not very quick today, Doc. The oil deal is off. Huh? What, uh, uh, what about the Duke? Oh, uh, yeah, the Duke to consider. I don't think Duke cares much for home and the kiddies. He's just a wee bit mercenary. Yeah, and he likes money, too. <laughs> However, I may as well get it over with. It may be a tough fight, but I'm not afraid. Not much I'm not. 
Don't do it, Larry. I seen you fight in one fight, and you were awful. I, I tell you, he'll tear you to bits. He'll cripple you. He'll chew your head off. Let me go with you, just in case. No, thanks, Doc. This is my job. I'll phone you when it's over, if I'm able. Larry. Larry, wait. Listen. He'll be murdered. He'll be... Mrs. Wilson. Mrs. Wilson, where are you? What do you mean, the deal's off? What kind of a double cross have you and Ryan cooked up? Well, I'm through with rackets, Duke, that's all. You're not through with this one. Look, friend, this has been a hard winter. I haven't made a killing in months. If this is a rib, stop it, because it's not funny. It's not a rib, Duke, and it's not a double cross. I'm staying here in Habersville with my wife. Save your breath, pal. This moonlight and roses, who he don't fool me. You and that dame are up to something. You're wrong. She doesn't know a thing about it. Hello, darling. Uh, what? Kay! She don't know, huh? Kay, what are you doing here? It's all right, Larry. I just had a talk with Dr. Ryan. He told me everything about you. What? Larry, I had to let her in. I just couldn't help it. Shut up. Kay, I want you to go home. Nobody's going home. She's got nothing to do with this, Duke. Let her go. My friend, I'm going to brain you. You overgrown bull, don't you dare lay a hand on him. Shut your trap, madam. (laughs) Now, you listen to me, Wilson. If you and this Tootsie want to play house when we get the cash, okay. But this car goes right to the end of the line and nobody gets out till it gets there. You can't give me orders, you crook. That's right, lady. I'm a crook. What do you think he is, a Bible salesman? I don't care if he was an axe murderer. That's all finished. I've seen him in love before. It usually lasts four to six weeks. That's a lie. Lady, generally speaking, I never sock a dame. But I'm inclined to make an exception for you. All right, Duke. You asked for it. Okay, pal, just slip this on for size. Oh, how dare you? You've killed him. I hope so. Water. Give him water. Oh, get the water pitcher. Oh, Larry. Larry, darling. Look at me. Here's the water. Help! 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 help. I'm drowning. Oh, Larry, my poor darling. Kay! What, Kay? How did you get on the boat? Oh, this is all your fault, Ryan. Your drunken behavior was inexcusable. Hey, it's coming back. Lie still, darling. Don't talk. You'll be all right in a minute. All right, Davis. Get up and quit stalling. Uh, Davis. uh, Were you addressing me, sir? What do you think? Well, I'm afraid I don't know you. Holy Ike, he's back again. Uh, Wait a minute. This isn't the boat. What's happened? Is he loony? Did I knock him goofy? Worse. You've ruined everything. What am I going to do with him now? Davis. George, don't you know me? Dukey. Duke Sheldon. Huh? Oh, Duke Sheldon? Well, I'm very flattered to meet you, Your Highness. Oh, what'll we do? <laughs> you think of something. You socked him. Oh, look, pal. Pull yourself together. We got a big deal on. Oh, well, if you'll call him my officer, I'll be glad to show you our full line of pots. Pots? <laughs> the guy's nuts. I'm getting out of here. Now, listen, you Get can't... out of my way. I'm getting out. Goodbye, Your Highness. Oh, let me out. Come back here. You hear me? You can't get away with this. Oh, Larry. Larry, darling. Yes, dear? You, you've forgotten everything, haven't you? Of course not. I mean, when he hit you, you're Lawrence Wilson again. Uh, do you suppose if you got hit on the head again, you might be George Davis? Hey, wait, put down that vase. I've got to do it, darling. Oh, no, 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 listen, listen to me. Well? Kay, dear, Kay. Well? (laughs) Darling. Stupendous. That was I Love You Again, starring Manaloy, Cary Grant, and Frank McHugh. Wonderful stuff.
Well, before we get on to more Myrna movies, let's take a trip on over to the Library of Congress with the very clever mademoiselle herself, Miss Brooke Darnell, for another edition of Brooke's Inside Looks. Brooke Darnell, she's a very clever mademoiselle. When you need some information found, she's half librarian and half bloodhound. Well, a huge welcome to the very clever mademoiselle herself, Miss Brooke Darnell. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. So this week is Myrna Loy week, and you have been off to the Library of Congress to see if you can dig up any interesting facts. I found lots. So when she was really young, um, her dad passed away, and uh, she was told she had to be the man of the house. Right. To earn money, she answered an ad to be a dancing teacher. And after a while, her instructor told her that she should go into film. Right. So she started dancing in a troupe as a chorus girl. And a photographer came and made some studies of the troupe. Wow. Um, and he liked the way they came out. So he um, put them up on the walls of his studio. And that's where Rudolph Valentino saw them. So Rudolph Valentino gave her her first film role. Is that right? Right. But it seems like it was more his wife's interests in her. This is... Natasha Rambova, is that right? Right, right. Who was actually a uh, costume designer for Nazimova. And apparently a former lover of Nazimova. Supposedly. So the rumors would (laughs) suggest. (laughs) So was it Natasha Rambova that persuaded her husband to give Myrna her break? Might be. She seemed to have a lot of interest in her. And I'm kind of wondering why like maybe because they had the same kind of background they were both dancers they both came from like the mountain areas of the west and moved to california one thing you told me earlier this week about myrna loy which i had no idea about was her freckles right she was covered in hundreds and thousands of freckles and she had green eyes and red hair green eyes red hair and covered in freckles and you would not know that from watching her films, would you? Not at all. I mean, the makeup must have been <laughs> plastered on. <laughs> Let's get rid of freckles. So it was Rochelle powder, blondine rouge, vermilion lipstick, brown eyeshadow, brown pencil and eyelash makeup, ivory makeup, foundation, and Rochelle makeup blender. Wow. It seems like a lot for back then because she doesn't look like she's wearing a lot of makeup. She doesn't look like she's got any makeup on. She looks kind of flawless. Yeah, that's the face powder. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But Natasha was kind of showed her how to do all her makeup and she kind of became her protege. So she, I guess, had the idea for her to to play the Asian character because of her green eyes and um, the way her eyes were shaped. Yeah, because she was known for playing like Oriental roles at the beginning, wasn't she? Right. And she had to wear this thick, brown grease paint which she absolutely hated and she said it took her hours to scrub off every night did she change any other facial features to fit into roles do you know well she kind of she redrew the shape of her eyes and the shape of her lips so in the early films her eyebrows are real straight and then when she became more of like the um wholesome wife her eyebrow shape changed crazy how they used to do that in those days because Rita Hayworth, was, she came from more ethnic background and she had to have a hairline squared off by electrolysis to make her seem more, I don't know what's the word, more apple pie. 
Yeah, she got electrolysis to bring it further back, her hairline. Yeah. And she drew her lips on differently. Did she? Yeah. Okay. The shape of her lips is like altered. They're not her natural shape. Do you know anything about Myrna's life outside of acting? Did she have any hobbies or anything? So she was a sculptress. A sculptress? She took uh, sculpting lessons when she was younger, and I think her brother was a sculptor, but she also liked to garden. She seemed very well liked around Hollywood. No one had a bad word to say about Myrna Loy. She seemed to have been everyone's pal. Right. She stayed away from scandal. There was something about her um, being very generous with her tips. All the, the backstage staff really liked her. And she ate in like the canteen. She didn't really like, go out to fancy restaurants and things. She seems to have been one of these women that seemed quite rare in those days. Every man wanted to be with her and every sort of girl wanted to be her best pal. Um, even though she did have her share of scandals. Didn't she? The man that she married, Hornblow, was actually just separated from his wife when they met. And they had to keep their relationship um, quiet for quite a while until the divorce was final. Yeah, there was an interesting thing about her name, though. So she chose her name either because of her love of, of poetry or um, something about French history. So she chose Loy, and she didn't even realize that it was a... Uh, Asian name until she saw it in the phone book between uh, these two names. And, and back then the phone books had the occupations. So the name above hers was Hoploy and then it said dishwasher. And then the one below it was like Singloy and it said um, laundress or something. Was this before she made it in Hollywood? You know, did she change her name before she started acting or just as she was starting out. I think like right when, when she was starting and that played a part in why she played so many Asian roles to begin with. Right. Okay. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> she changed her face and changed her name. So I don't, it's interesting because all these people claim to have like given her her start or, or are responsible for her success. So the director, James Flood, said that um, he saw her in a shot that he was doing and he had the cameraman hold the focus on her and then he took it to an executive and then the executive gave her a contract and and he'd forgotten about it and then a few days later she came to him and um said that she'd gotten the contract and then he encouraged her to ask to ask for a higher salary and so she held out and then she got the higher salary so he's he's saying he he takes responsibility for her success in bigger parts so Valentino gave her her start but he he's saying he's responsible for her overall success. So he took credit. Uh, Natasha Rambova and Rudolph Valentino kind of said they did too. But Hornblow as well. Hornblow did as well. Yeah. I saw an article among the ones you sent to me where she kind of says she did it on her own as well. Right, right. So, but but then when you hear all these people talk about her as being, um, you know, so smart and 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 a person that knows what she wants mm. and, and how she plotted every step and was responsible for, for her own success. So I don't know. It's just interesting comparing what all these other people in the industry say versus what real people's accounts of her are. Do you like her as an actress? Can I, I do. I love The Thin Man. I love all those films. <laughs> so good, aren't they? Which is your favorite one? The first one. The first one. Okay. Yeah, I have a, a picture of... Myrna Loy and William Powell and Asta opening up a refrigerator and looking in, hanging up in my kitchen. <laughs> They're like the most iconic married couple ever. 
cocktails all day and yeah. witty banter. I love them so much. <laughs> I love when they're um in the Thin Man when uh she comes into the I don't know the club and she's got Asta and she's got all these packages and then they're just like talking back and forth. <laughs> when the yeah, and they line up the drinks. And, um, right, right, right. How many have you had? Well, I'll take five. <laughs> Pretty girl. Yeah, she's a very nice type. You got types? Only you, darling. Lanky brunettes with wicked jaws. Leo, compliments to see you. Who is she? Oh, darling, I was hoping I wouldn't have to answer that. Come on. Well, Dorothy is really my daughter. You see, it was spring in Venice. I was so young, I didn't know what I was doing. We're all like that on my father's side. By the way, how is your father's side? Oh, it's much better, thanks. And yours? Say, how many drinks have you had? This will make six martinis. All right. Will you bring me five more martinis? Leo, line them right up here. Yes, ma'am. Hmm. My favorite um, Thin Man moment is in the second run, where um, they're on the train just pulling into the station, and she's nagging him to get his stuff back. <laughs> You've got to pack. Yeah, that's right. Pack, pack. I must pack. Are you packing, dear? Mm-hmm. Yes, darling. I'm just putting away this liquor. Right. Okay. Well, thank you, Brooke, for your help. And thank you for your detective work, as usual. Thank you for having me. And where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, SB Darnell. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for the memory of sentimental verse. Nothing in my purse and chuckles when the preacher said, for better or for worse, how lovely it was. Thanks for the memory of Schubert's serenade, little things of jade, and traffic jams and anagrams and bills we never paid. How lovely it was. We who could laugh over big things were parted by only a slight thing. I wonder if we did the right thing. Oh, well, that's life, I guess. I love your dress. Do you? It's pretty. Thanks for the memory of faults that you forgave, rainbows on a wave, and stockings in the basin when a fellow needs a shave. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for the memory of tinkling temple bells, I'm a mother yell. And Cuban rum and towels from the very best hotels. Oh, how lovely it was. Thanks for the memory of cushions on the floor, hashed with Diddy Moore. That pair of gay pajamas that you bought and never wore. <laughs> Say, by the way, whatever became of those pajamas? Huh? Huh? We said goodbye with a highball. Then I got as high as a steeple. Did you? But we were intelligent people. No tears, no fuss. Hooray for us.
strictly entre Darling, how are you? And how are all those little dreams that never did come true? Awfully glad I met you. Cheerio, toodaloo. Thank you. Thank you so much. Glorious. That was Thanks for the Memory by Bob Hope and Shirley Ross. And my heartfelt thanks to the ever-wonderful Miss Brooke Darnell, the Library of Congress's most valuable treasure. Well, how about a slice of action and adventure starring Myrna Loy as Amelia Earhart? Almost. This is Too Hot to Handle from 1938, starring Myrna Loy, Clark Gable, Walter Pigeon, Walter Connolly, all the Walters, and Leo Carrillo. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, on the other side of the world and all the ships at sea. There's new excitement in the Orient, while a war rages overhead. Pity sing, yum yum, and no washing but What is this? Mr. MacArthur, you see? Wait, Scott, keep quiet. How can I... But little do they realize that they are marked as victims of the biggest bombshell to hit Shanghai this year. It is called the Big Apple. Is that what you're talking about, Big Apple? Where's the bombing? I tried to tell you, Mr. Well, McCarthy. cut this stuff off. Put on the other reel. This is all how they send in a thousand feet of it. Well, what is this? I wait two weeks for a thousand feet of a big Chinese apple. Say, what in the name of... Yeah, I know, I know, Gabby. You're yelling like a boiled duck because you didn't get your bombing shots. But listen, Papa, this China war is too hard to find. So let me come home, Gabby. You and me will be just in time for the beauty contest in Atlantic City. You remember the fun we had? Hmm. So the story here is of reporter Chris Hunter, played by Clark Gable, and his ever-escalating rivalry with opposition reporter Bill Dennis, played by Walter Pidgeon. This rivalry has taken on sinister undertones in that both men, desperate to outscoop the other, have taken to creating fake news in war-torn China. Very prescient, no? Yes, Chris and Bill have taken to creating fake aerial attacks and fake cholera outbreaks so that they can grab the biggest headlines. It's Bill's cholera ploy that sees the introduction of Alma Harding, an aviator who agrees to fly in a consignment of fake cholera serum to help Bill out. But Chris gets wind of the serum and, believing it to be real, attempts to take footage of the plane taking off for his paper. But Chris's cameraman drives a little too close to Alma's plane, causing it to crash and burn. Hey, what's happening? It's Hunter! It's Hunter and he's blocking us out! I can't believe it! I can't believe it! I can't believe it! Get out! The podium ship him over! Chris rescues Alma just in time and, in the process, finds out that Alma is not what she claims to be. In fact, Alma has been helping out Bill for a reason. She's desperately trying to raise funds for an expedition into the jungles of the Amazon to find her long-lost brother Harry, who's been snatched by natives. Ever hear of my brother, Harry Harding? The flyer? The boy lost down in the Amazon a while back? Yes. If the flight had been a success, the Faircraft people were going to back an expedition for me to go down to the Amazon and find him. Look here, isn't it pretty well established that your brother... I know. You're going to tell me he's dead, aren't you? Well, I... Two or three polite governments have told me that, too. But I know he's alive. How do you know that? Wouldn't you know if someone close to you were dead? 
Ever since Harry and I were kids together, I've known how he was, how he felt, whether he was in trouble. He's my brother. And something, something inside tells me he's still alive. I've got one job to do, and that's to find him. Can Chris and Bill put their differences aside for long enough to help Alma find her brother and who will win Alma's love in the process? So I must admit, with a title like Too Hot to Handle and the pairing of Myrna Loy and Clark Gable, I was expecting a slightly different film. Perhaps a romantic comedy, perhaps a romantic drama about a wayward boy or a wayward girl who's tamed by love. And therefore I was very surprised to find what is essentially a jungle-based action thriller about a rascal trying to do the right thing. You don't often see Murder Loy in roles like this, so it's quite a refreshing film in that regard. Usually she plays such world-weary, wry, wickedly funny characters who look like they've seen it all and have a quip for every occasion. Her character in this film, Alma Harding, is an aviator who's tough as nails, but beneath the flying cap and the goggles. She's also a small-town girl, very family-focused and with a genuine sense of innocence behind the tomboy exterior. It's, it's a really wonderful role. I read a review from the New York Times that stated, Loy's Lady Flyer turns in a completely insincere performance. I didn't get that at all. I mean, I think she's been better in other films but I really felt for her character, despite the preposterousness of her goal, namely to rescue her brother from a tribe in the jungle. The best scenes are definitely the smaller ones. There's a marvellous scene at Alma's house, where she's showing Hunter around her self-built laboratory, and it's really rather wonderful. Plus, my goodness, she is radiantly beautiful in this movie. She looks so different here. The makeup is muted, the hair isn't the usual piled-up affair, that she carries around in her more sophisticated movies. She looks so fresh and natural here that you will fall in love with her all over again. Well, uh, I guess we better go back to the house. Wait a minute. Here's something I do believe. You know, down in the South Seas where that music comes from, it's an old custom that if a girl doesn't have a man, she, she wears a flower over her left ear. But if she has one in mind, she, she wears it over her right ear. She does? Mm-hmm. The man doesn't put it there, though. Oh, he doesn't? No. No, she has to do that herself. And, well, then he sees it, and he knows that that's his cue for something. Well, uh, I've always worn my hair over on this side, so uh, maybe it wouldn't be becoming there. Maybe, uh, maybe it'd be better on the left side. Maybe. Outside of Myrna Loy's performance, though, this is a fairly decent potboiler with a story that's as old as the hills. Boy meets girl, they fall in love, he makes a mistake and spends the rest of the film trying to win her back. It's to Gable's credit that his character, despite being a snarky, cackling ruffian at the beginning who fakes the news and doesn't seem to have a shred of honor, remains pretty likable throughout. Walter Pigeon's character is an utterly thankless creation who was put in the film just so you have someone to boo and hiss at. My favorite supporting character by far, though, is Leo Carrillo as Jose, the cameraman, who starts off in a very small role that snowballs as the film plays out until by the end, where he's become essential as a fake president, a wealthy benefactor, and a witch doctor all in one. You'll see what I mean. So do make sure you take a look at Too Hot to Handle. It's a really engaging romantic thriller with several brilliant performances and a genuinely captivating story. 
really great stuff. Finally, on to a star-packed treat then, 1936's Libeled Lady, starring Manoloy, William Powell, Jean Harlow, and Spencer Tracy, along with Walter Connolly and Charlie Grapewin. What happened, Alan? Don't load anymore. Hold it, boys. Unload them, all of them. They're be destroyed. They're trying to kill a story. Has the truck's gone out? How about it, Joe? Yeah, number seven. Well, call him back. But he's gone. Times Square and Columbus Circle. All right, rush a motorcycle after him. Hurry up. We've got to get those papers back, every one. Hey, Pete, get on your machine and stop truck number seven. Okay. Hold all the stands on that route not to sell any papers. Quick. The New York Evening Star has made a colossal error. They went ahead and printed a story claiming that wealthy heiress Connie Allenbury, played by Myrna Loy, has been breaking up a marriage. But the story is false, and before the star can recall all of its newspapers from the streets, the story is out there. But it isn't enough to print a simple retraction. Can I stay away from here for one day without somebody pulling a boner? You call yourself a newspaper man. Where's your nose? My nose? Yes, your nose, where that thing fairly reeks of alcohol. Jackson was drunk. You gotta smell things like that. You don't need any brains. All you need is a nose. I knew the boss hated her father. Yeah, and her father hates us. He'd give his right eye to blow us up, and you hand him the dynamite. The one girl in the world that we should handle with kid gloves. And you spread her name all over the front page. What do you want? What do we use for a new headline? I don't care anything. War threatens Europe. Oh, which country? Flip a nickel. Connie has long been hounded by the Evening Star and is determined to ruin them once and for all. To get her own back, She's suing the newspaper for the sum of $5 million, which will break the newspaper once and for all. This is terrible, Haggerty, terrible. A mistake like that can ruin... What do the lawyers say? An open and shut case, pure libel and slander. We haven't a leg to stand on, and now I've got to get on my knees to Jim Allenberry, a man I fought for 20 years, never giving an inch. It's up to the managing editor... Warren Haggerty, played by Spencer Tracy, to come up with a scheme to stop Miss Allenbury from succeeding in her legal action. Employing the services of suave ladies' man Bill Chandler, played by William Powell, he devises a plot to get Connie to fall in love with Bill. And when it transpires that Bill is in fact married, the paper will suddenly be justified in printing their scandalous story. You're in a jam over the Allenbury girl. You printed a hot story and she's suing you. Who told you? Elementary, my dear Watson. I read the story, first edition only, and carried by no other paper. That, says I, is the fine Italian hand of Haggerty, the bull in the china shop. What's she asking? Five million dollars. <laughs> Who does she think she is? Just one of the richest girls in America. Yes, I know all about her. Title crazy. With a fat-headed old father to buy her in and out. America's international play girl. That's her rep, and she thinks it's worth five million. Well, when I get through with her, she'll take five cents. Done. You're on the payroll. Oh, no, Warren. No philanthropy. During the six months that I was on the star, I saved you all told some $300,000. What did I get? 125 bucks a week. That's the proposition now, my lad. Drawn yesterday. I've been expecting you for 24 hours. The only hitch is that Bill isn't actually married. Not yet, anyway. What they need is a girl for Bill to marry. Step forward Gladys Benton, Warren's long-suffering fiancé, played by Jean Harlow, who reluctantly agrees to marry Bill and save the paper. The things I've taken for that newspaper, Warren Haggerty, but this gets the blue ribbon trying to marry me off to that, to that bad boon. Sir, let's not deal in personalities. 
But, darling, it's it's only for a month, maybe less. Then six weeks in Reno. Now, Miss Benton, they've got the loveliest place in Reno. You'd love it. You can play craps there every night. That's right, that's right. And I'll come for you the moment you get your divorce. No, but I don't want a divorce. I want to get married and stay married. If you don't want to marry me, just say so. Darling, of course I want to marry you, but don't you understand, Gladys? This comes first. It's our only chance. I'll get fired. Now, wait a minute. I'm leaving. The deal's off. <clears throat> Here's your contract, 50,000 bucks. Say, I wouldn't hook up with that gal for a million. Oh, now, Bill, you know the spot I'm in. Well, that's your tough luck. I'm through. You'll have to get a new boy. You mean you're walking out on him? That's it, sister. Listen, you know what the star means to him. You're a newspaper man. You know. It'll ruin his life. It'll ruin his career. Huh. A fine friend you are. Well, if you put it that way... I'm putting it that way. Good, good. I I'll get the guy. Oh, the things I do for that newspaper. But what will happen when Bill finds himself falling in love with Connie for real? And what will happen when Gladys finds herself falling in love with Bill too? So the word classic is bandied about a lot, especially when it comes to black and white movies. But every now and then, the term is undeniable. And that is very much the case here. I mean, first up, look at that star power. It threatens to burn through the screen with every passing minute. These really are stars at the very top of their game, from Gene Harlow's increasingly desperate Gladys to Myrna Loy's slowly trusting heiress, who's been burned so many times by fake suitors that her heart carries a well-earned layer of frost. From Spencer Tracy's almost Machiavellian editor, who'd sacrifice his own grandmother to win, to William Powell's very debonair but increasingly screwball ladies' man who has to half-drown himself in order to woo Connie. The very best screwball comedies are the ones that start relatively calmly and which build in zaniness with subtlety and invention in each passing scene while libeled lady is among the best screwball comedies ever made. It's a sheer delight from start to finish because it gets every scene right. You will laugh, you will swoon as each moment passes, and by the time the climax arrives, you'll have been thrown for a loop countless times by the plot twist, especially when it comes to Gladys. It's worth mentioning quickly the supporting players, Walter Connolly as Connie's good-natured but world-weary father, and Charlie Grapewin as Warren's desperate boss. You'll probably recognize him best from The Wizard of Oz, he played Dorothy's Uncle Henry. They're both very, very good here, but it's definitely hard to see past that dazzling quartet at the front. Powell, Loy, Harlow and Tracy, what a team. Tragically, this was among the final films completed by Jean Harlow. She was to die just one year later, at the age of 26. She and William Powell were very much in love during the making of this movie, and they'd been engaged for a year already. But due to her wanting children and his not wanting children, the marriage had been postponed and postponed... That didn't stop him from being completely heartbroken when she passed away so young the following year. She was, in fact, buried in the gown that she wore for this film, and in her hands she carried a white gardenia, along with a note written by Powell which read simply, Good night, my dearest darling. And so this movie has always carried a remarkable sense of poignancy, despite being such a funny and charming film. Still, I'm sure that Miss Harlow would want to be remembered for her dazzling talent and not her untimely death. And so when and if you do treat yourself to a viewing, 
do go in with a sense of wondrous joy instead of a sense of sadness. Libeled Lady really is one of the Golden Age's gleaming treasures. Well, on to a very different Myrna Loy than the one you'll probably be used to. This is a very singular appearance Myrna made for Suspense, radio's outstanding theatre of thrills. A tale of a stuffy, stern librarian who gets embroiled in a very intriguing and sometimes comic mystery surrounding a vandalised copy of Gone with the Wind. Buckle up for half an hour of suspense then with the incomparable Miss Myrna Loy. See you afterwards. I'll get it, Maggie. Public, public Library, Hillcrest Branch, Miss Roberts speaking. I bet... No, I'm sorry, we do not carry the racing form. We do not carry even the current racing form, much less those published in 1925. I know nothing whatever of Man of War's activities. Well, you'll have to consult another source to win your wager. Goodbye. Yes? Uh, miss, do I give my book back here? Yes, this is the return desk. Let me see, that's two days overdue. You owe four cents, Mrs. Rudnick. It's a lot of reading. My daughter read it to me nights. Here's the four cents, miss. Thank you. Oh, it was a grand book, though. Really grand. Gone with the wind, I suppose. I personally very seldom read bestsellers. It surely is romantic. Hmm. Uh, I wonder, Miss, uh, do you know what happens on page 931? Page 931? Yes. We don't know to this day whether Scarlet, she goes to uh, Mellon's party uh, for Ashley, or page 921 and 932 are missing. So we were wondering if... Uh, missing? Good heavens, let me see. Uh, you just give anything to know if Scarlet went to the party. One moment, Mrs. Rudnick. Huh? The pages are missing. One leaf has been torn or cut from this book. This is vandalism. It's what? A page has been deliberately ripped out. Oh. I'll have to ask you for your reader's card. But we didn't do it. One moment, please. Miss Hughes. Yeah? Miss Hughes, uh, will you please look up the list price of this book, Gone with the Wind? Yeah, sure. Just a second. You see, Mrs. Rudnick, you will have to pay the cost of the book or lose all library privileges until you do. Oh, but please, Miss V, didn't do it. It's, uh, it's a dollar forty-nine, Prudence. I don't pay no dollar forty-nine, because I didn't do it. How'd you find out about the damage, Prudence? Mrs. Rudnick called my attention to it, fortunately. Oh. Well, if she tore out the page, she wouldn't have told you. No. You see, Miss? But the rules... Oh, relax. Relax, Prudence. Well... Very well, Mrs. Rudnick. I'll investigate further. In the meantime, you may continue to use your card. Oh, thank you, miss. Thank you so much, and goodbye. Goodbye. Maggie, why must you interfere like that? You know the rules perfectly well. Yeah, sure, but they don't make sense. That's not for us to say. She should have reported before she took the book out. Well, now, that's silly. How could she report the page was torn out before she read the book? Well, maybe you're right. I don't know why you raise such a dust about it, anyhow. Because if I don't find out who did tear the book, I'll have to pay. And I don't want to spend a dollar and 49 cents on a bestseller. Hey. <clears throat> Take care of that boy, Maggie. Okay. Okay. What'll it be? These here. You want to take these out? All of them? Sure. Here's my card. Oh. Tarzan of the Apes. Tarzan Triumphant. Tarzan and the Leopard Men. Tarzan and the Forbidden City. Tarzan the Invincible. 
Tarzan. Morning becomes Electra. Yeah, I'm making a radio, a walkie-talkie. Oh, look, I haven't read this myself, but uh, I don't think it's going to help you. No? It says Electra. Yeah, well, anyway, you, you, you got one too many books. Okay, I'll take the electric book out when I bring these back. I'll bring them back tomorrow, so save it. Five books and he'll bring them back tomorrow. Did you get that, Prudence? Five books and the kids... Prudence, what are you doing? It's very strange. It's really very strange. Are you still mooning over that missing page? In Gone with the Wind? Yes. You know, whoever ripped that page out also underlined words on the following page, page 933. Yeah? What kind of words? Oh, they don't seem to mean anything. Words like anyone, merrily, hardly. They've been underlined by little scratches in the paper. Oh. Well, maybe somebody was cutting out cookies on top of the book. Come on, huh? It's past closing time. I've got to find out what's on page 931. Well, I can buy a copy of this book on my way home, and I will. Buy it? I thought you wouldn't spend dough on a bestseller. Well, I, I shouldn't. But this annoys me. It's vandalism. And besides, I have an odd feeling, a feeling that something's wrong. Yes, I have a definite premonition. <laughs> you put that book away and come to bed? All right, Maggie. I guess you win. Oh. Was cookies? No. It was words. I fastened the two pages together and made the marks back through. But these words don't mean anything either. Cure, wait, poor. I think they were cut out of the book because the marks are above and below each word. Sure. That's kid stuff. You know, cut out words and paste them to write a letter. Cut them up. Well, of course. Let's see. There's poor, your, 50, instructions, her, Melanie, Melanie. Oh, Melanie. That was uh, Olivia de Havilland in the picture. Really? I wouldn't know. Now, um, I'll start with the word 50. It's an adjective and must modify something. Oh, Natch, Natch. 50 health, no. 50 instructions. Could be, but it's awkward. 50 grand... Well, it's slang, but it does mean something. I'll tell the world 50 grand means something. Now, a noun must be followed by a verb. 50 grand to wait or to cure. I'll try that. 50 grand to cure. That's a plenty expensive cure, that. Now, her. 50 grand to cure her. Her. Melanie. A girl's name. Melanie. Why, yes. All the other words pair off perfectly now. Your Melanie, poor health, weight, instructions. Fifty grand to cure her. That's it, Maggie. The words couldn't possibly go in any other order. Yeah. So, now you've solved the puzzle, let's get to bed. Well, all right. I suppose I have to wait until the morning to call the police. The police? Just because a book was torn? No, because it's a ransom note. Oh, prudence. But can't you see? That's what it says. Some poor girl named Melanie has been kidnapped and is being held for ransom for 50 grand. It's our duty as citizens to help her. For suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as star Miss Myrna Loy in library book by Cornell Woolrich. 
Roma Wine's presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Between the acts of suspense, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines. Elsa Maxwell, the noted hostess, says, Every woman knows men love good home cooking, simple dishes cooked well, like beef with pan-browned potatoes, a rich stew piping hot, a spaghetti with a lively sauce. And here's a secret to really make simple food more tempting, more enjoyable. Serve cool Roma California Burgundy. So delightful, so delicious, so distinguished. Enjoy Roma Burgundy with your dinner tomorrow night. It adds so much to the pleasure of dining. Roma wines are always unvaryingly good, full of fragrance and finer tasting. The result of carefully selected grapes gathered at peak of flavorfulness from California's choicest vineyards, quickly but gently pressed, then unhurriedly, Guided to perfection by Roma's ancient winemaking skill and bottled at Roma's famed wineries. Remember, because of uniformly fine quality at reasonable cost, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. Always ask for Roma, R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. And now Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Myrna Loy as Prudence Roberts in Library Book, a play well calculated to keep you in suspense. Miss Roberts, I'm sorry I couldn't get here till this late. I'm Lieutenant Murphy from headquarters. Oh, you're a detective? Well, that's what my paycheck says, ma'am. Oh, well, of course, you're not in uniform. But uh, come over here behind my desk. I want to show you something. Yes, ma'am. Has anyone been kidnapped lately? Huh? What? Anyone named Melanie? Do you know? Why? Well, this book came back to the library damaged, and I deciphered a kidnap message from the damaged page. See? Read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> you, uh, you deciphered this, uh, this note? <clears throat> You're laughing at me. I want to do my duty, and you laugh. Oh, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. We'll check on... Well, say, what do you know? Yes? What is it? Oh, nothing, nothing, miss. Uh, you took your glasses off, that's all. <clears throat> uh, what'd you say your name was again, miss? My name is Miss Prudence Roberts. What has that got to do with this? Well, we have to know the source of our information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this does look like a ransom note now that I look at it. Of course it does. But uh, we haven't any case on deck right now that this could possibly fit into. I never heard of a ransom note without a kidnap case. Oh, you haven't. Very well. I'm sorry I bothered you. We have to close the library now, so good evening. Uh, just a minute, miss. What are you going to do? I'm going to find out who damaged this book. Do you see this card? These are all the people who have taken the book out. Six altogether. Mm-hmm. Lucille Baumgarten, August Beasley, Walter Evans, Well, Jeanette that's fine, Craig. miss. Uh, look, uh, maybe I could drop around and see how you're making out. Uh, tomorrow? No, I wouldn't in- inconvenience you. You needn't bother. Gee, miss, you... You talk such good English. I try to. Well... Look, could I see you home? It's pretty late, you know. I feel quite safe, thank you. The worst that ever happened to me was one night when a vulgar masher spoke to me. He said, hi, toots. Imagine. Oh. Did you have your glasses on? Why, come to think of it, that was the time I'd left them to be repaired. How very peculiar. Yeah, yeah. Say, miss, uh, how would you like to see a picture tonight with me, huh? 
I wouldn't think of going out with someone I'd met only once, Lieutenant. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess you wouldn't. And besides, because the police of this city are obviously so inefficient, I have a great deal of work to do. Yes, Lieutenant Murphy, I'm going to be very busy tonight. <laughs> Miss Baumgarten, I only wanted to make sure. You're sure the page was missing when you read it? Oh, it was missing all right. I remember because it took me quite a while to figure out what happened. But I finally did so it didn't worry me. Say, I'm not going to be in any trouble over this, am I? No. It was damaged by someone before you. But, miss, I didn't even read the book. I saw the name on it, see? Gone with the wind. So I thought it was about airplanes. I'm building a glider, but when I started to read it, criminently. I think they ought to name books so you know what you're getting. It'd save a lot of trouble. My dear young lady, a man of my age and education is aware of the value of books and cares for them properly, even novels. Yes, yes, I, I remember that page was missing. Obviously ripped out an act of wanton destruction. <laughs> shocking, shocking. Yes, what do you want? Does Miss Jeanette Craig live here? What's that? Does Miss Jeanette Craig live here? She did. She moved. Ah. When did she move? Oh, about two weeks ago, Monday, I think. Yes, on the 17th. But she returned this book on the 18th. That book? Oh, no. I was the one that returned that for her. I was cleaning out a room and I found it. Well, I work in the public library and this book was damaged. I wanted to speak to Miss Craig about it. Oh, well, all I know is that uh, she didn't expect to go when she did. Her room still paid for her and she left most of her things. Ah. Someone took sick and sent for her, they said. They called for her late one night, and off she went in a rush with two men. But if she left her belongings, she'll be coming back for them. Oh, I guess she will, or she'll send for them. Uh, 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 when did you say her room would be available? Her room? Yes, I'm thinking of moving, and I like this neighborhood, and I thought... Oh, well, come right in, and I'll show it to you. Now, it's real nice, first floor. Careful, it's dark in these halls. I'm used to it, and I can roam around with my eyes shut and still... Still... <laughs> find my way. <clears throat> mm. uh, now, uh, this was her room. Come in. It's real nice in the daytime. Is the uh, closet good and deep? Well, go ahead and look. That's her things in there, and some real nice things, too. I don't see how they do it being a nightclub dancer. Yes, lovely things. Huh. Funny. This monogram is M.S., and on this bag, too. Those aren't her initials. Oh, you know how it is. These girls lend each other their clothes. Probably belongs to a friend of hers. Uh, did you ever hear her mention Melanie? Hmm? Oh, no, we don't allow any eating in the rooms. Well, I'll take it, but I have a roommate. That's all right with me. Fine. I'll get her and we'll move in tonight. Tonight? Well, all right. I'll move Miss Craig's things into my room then. Oh, no, no, no. Leave them right here. I, I mean, uh, you don't have to bother. We'll have plenty of space. The closet is so long. Oh, just as you say. And anyway, I want to know when someone comes for her things because I do want to find out where Miss Craig is. You see, I'm terribly anxious about uh, uh, the book. I really am. Um. <laughs> 
Prudence, you and your mystery. We move out of a perfectly good apartment into a room next door to a pool hall. But I have to find out where Jeanette Craig is. Uh, even when the lights are out, we have that darn neon sign. Chop suey. Chop suey. But don't you think it's strange, Maggie? All her things initial M.S. instead of J.C. M. could stand for... Uh, hey. Hey, listen. What's that? Shh. Someone's unlocking the door. Holy smoke. Someone's come for her clothes. I know it. Um, yes? Uh, what do you want? Well, I... I, I well, I didn't expect to say... Uh, we... We rented this room today. Uh, wait. I'll turn on the light. Now, what do you want? Well, you see, I was sent to get something... Uh, uh... How'd you get a key? Huh? I know. You've come for Miss Craig's things, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, miss, that's right. It's a good thing you rented a room because I come to pay up and settle everything. This way it's going to be a lot easier. <laughs> this way you can just take the things. <laughs> They're right here in the closet. I'll help you. Yeah? Well, thanks. Here. Huh? <laughs> what is it? It's quite a load, isn't it? Well, quite good. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks, miss. You'll have to make two trips. Well, I think so. There's so many things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be right back with... As soon as I get these in the car. Quick, Maggie. I have to dress. Help me. Well, why didn't you ask him where, the, where this I girl... I can't ask him. Now, look, Maggie. I'm going to slip out now. While he's in here, I'm going downstairs. But why but are what... you messing in this? And I want you to cover up for me and delay him as long as possible. Oh, jeepers. What are you going to do? Come here. Look out the window. See his car down there? The long black one? Yeah, yeah, I see it. Well... I'm going to get in that taxi and follow him. Driver, he's awfully far ahead. Lady, I know this game backwards. It's been 20 miles and I haven't lost him yet. Keep close watch. He may turn off in an effort to evade us. I'll see him. Hey, what's the matter? You move out on you, huh? Well, I don't blame you for being sore. But, lady, there's all kinds of angles. I beg your pardon. For instance, I notice you wear glasses. Now, there's a saying. Men never make passes at girls who wear... Please, will you confine yourself to your driving? Okay. Okay. Hey, look. He turned. Oh, hurry. Why... We're way out in the country. Oh, you said it. He's turning off again, up ahead. Probably a driveway. Pull up at the entrance. Okay. Well, this must be it. There's a house, and there's the car. Oh, what a lonely-looking place. Yeah. Now what? Well, uh, you wait here, driver. Uh, 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 one minute, lady. The time has come to tell you I got you clocked at seven bucks and eighty-five cents. That much? And I, I forgot my pocketbook. I, I thought so, the old game. But I have money at home. Outside. You heard me? Outside. That's right. Now, if you was a man, I'd take it out of your jaw. As it is. Oh, please. You aren't going to leave me. Yeah. You're going to walk. But you can't leave me here. Lady, I can't. Anyway, they might have a phone in the house. 
I, I don't even know where I am. I'll tell you where you are, baby. You're on your own. Oh, to think anyone could be so... I'll report you. Stevenson. They won't let me go. I think they're going to kill me. Melanie? Ah. But where is Miss Craig? I'm Miss Craig. Oh, please, I'll tell you later, but get me out of here. Well, uh, can you climb through and drop from the sill? No, no, I'm chained to the bed. Oh, please, hurry, bring someone back with you. That's the only way I can get out of here. All right, all right. I'll run back and phone Lieutenant Murphy, and the police will... Oh, no, they won't. Come in, Toots, and stay a while. But I, uh, you see, I... Oh, hello. So we meet again. So you had a nice long ride following me, huh? Get in. Oh, but you can't... No, 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 don't be bashful. You ain't going nowhere else from here. Not even to phone your friend, Lieutenant Murphy. You've reached the end of the road, babe. Positively the end of the road. Murphy, close the door and sit down. This is important. Okay, Captain. Why, what's up? It's a kidnapping case, Murphy. I only hope we're not too late. That man who just left my office was Martin Stevenson. Yeah, who's been kidnapped? His daughter. This is the story. She ran away from home a few months ago to work in a nightclub. Took another name. Didn't even let her family know where she was living. That's why they didn't know when she disappeared, so it wasn't reported until now. How'd she disappear? Well, her father doesn't know. But it looks like someone recognized her in the club, knew the Stevensons had dough, and grabbed her. Well, first thing the old man knows, he gets a ransom note. You know, the usual kind, words cut out of something and pasted on paper to look like a telegram. Words pasted on... Captain, what was the daughter's name? Um, Melanie, I think. Melanie. Chief, you, you know, you should have had her to read more, like me. Huh? It's Melanie. Like, uh, yeah, like in Gone with the Wind. She's the same note. The same note. Now, what are you raving about? The note that librarian, Miss Roberts, called us about. Remember I told you? Remember what a laugh it handed us? Yeah, say, that's right. Well, she must be a pretty smart girl. Hey, maybe we ought to talk to her. Yeah, yeah, just a minute. I got her phone number. I'll, I'll call her up. Oh, so you got her phone number. Huh? <laughs> I thought you said she wears glasses. Well, I, I got it, Cap. Uh, just in case I turned up any information. Yeah. Honey, she don't answer. Well, she might know one or two people besides you, Murphy. Yeah, but she's got a roommate. Oh, well, I guess I can see her in the morning. That's soon enough. Oh, Prudence, they're going to kill us. I know it. They're sure you already went to the police. They're desperate. Maybe tonight they'll do it. I guess they could kill us and still collect the ransom. But I don't think... No, they won't dare. What are you doing? Still trying to get this chain off my wrist. If I could open the padlock... Oh, darn if you'd thing. only moved away from the window sooner, he... Hey. What's that? Someone on the stairs. They're carrying something up. Listen. Have you got enough, Duke? You want to pour a lot on the stairs. A lot of what? Plenty. I got plenty. What's that smell, Prudence? It's like... 
Gasoline. Oh, no. Oh, they couldn't do that. Come on, Doe. Get in the car. I gotta start. Oh, they're gonna burn us alive. Shh. I want to hear. Be right with you as soon as I give Meech a clip in the head. Oh. Why worry? The smoke will get him. Come on. Oh, no, I'm soft-hearted. Won't take a minute. Oh, prudent. Prudent. Shh. Get under the bed, quick. That's right. Way back. Now, don't make a sound. Okay, don't Step on it. All right, ladies. Where are you? Oh, I don't need a light to find you. You're so attached to that bed. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Where are you? So you're being cute. Well, it ain't going to help any because... Oh, oh, you... Oh, trip me up, you little... Bully, you unutterable bully. This is a good, strong shoe, and I'm going to... Trying to hit two helpless girls. I said, oh, no. Prudence, the fire. Look. Oh, oh, I'm getting out of here. Just have it your way, babe. Just have it your way. Help. Help. Melanie. Oh, Melanie, will you stop that awful noise? Oh, I don't want to die like this. I don't want to die like this. Well, neither do I, but I have my dignity. Help. Help. Hush. Please, hush. I want to see what they do. What difference does it make they're leaving? Yes, they're in the car, but... A car's pulling up in front. Melanie, two cars. They've come. They've found us. The police. Lieutenant Murphy and two Carlos. Oh, That's it, Lieutenant. That's the way. They've caught both of them, Eddie and Duke. It's wonderful. Lieutenant Murphy and Maggie's with him. That's how he knew. We can't jump, Lieutenant. We're chained to the bed. He's coming up. Oh, but can he get through? The stairs are full of smoke. Can he get through, Lieutenant Murphy? Listen, fire won't stop him. We're in here. Over here in the corner. Where's the padlock? Right here, between us. Okay, now look, I'm going to smash you with this flashlight, I hope. Turn your face. There, that does it. It's open. Are you Melanie Stevenson? Yeah. Yeah, now look, you're going to have to jump. They'll break your fall. They got a net down. Oh, I can't. I'm afraid. Your father's down there. Father? Yeah, yeah. Now, come on, ask the girl. Up on the ledge. I'm afraid. That's right. Now, don't let the fire confuse you. Just push off. That's it. Okay. Did it? Did did they catch it? Yeah, sure. Now, next. Uh, All right. You're not afraid, are you, Miss Roberts? Afraid? No? Really, Lieutenant Murphy? Why would I? Why? Uh, Miss Roberts, Prudence. Well, what do you know? After all this, she faints. It's awfully nice of you to drive me home, Lieutenant. Oh, forget it, forget it. I'm just thankful I had enough sense to try and find you tonight. How did you find me? Well, first I went to your apartment, and from there I found where you moved to. And Maggie knew which cab you took tonight, and, well, after that it was pie. It was so melodramatic the way you got there just in time. Yeah? (laughs) Oh, you know, I can't get over the way you talk, Miss Roberts. Every word so clear, just like a poem. Poem. Yeah, that's what I said. Poem. Oh, I certainly hope I'm going to see you some now that the excitement's over. Well, um... Look, look, there's a real highbrow picture showing right near your place. I'd sure like to take you to... No, I'm sorry. 
Well, I, I just thought I'd ask. But if you know of a good, fast murder picture with a lot of shooting... Miss Roberts! Can that, Miss Roberts? Prudence! Hey, hey, wait, what are you doing? I'm throwing my glasses out of the window. From now on, call me Toots. And that was Myrna Loy in Library Book, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Wonderful. Okay, so the next film club night will be June 17th at 9 p.m. GMT, so mark your calendars. Until the 16th of June, you'll be able to vote to choose which film we'll be watching. Okay, so the films from which you can choose are Plan 9 from Outer Space from 1959, 1938's The Lady Vanishes, 1963's Charade, and 1939's The Roaring Twenties. So quite a tantalizing quartet of movies to choose from there. The one that gets the most votes will be the film we'll all watch together on June 17th at 9pm Greenwich Mean Time. Now, to be in the club, to vote, to get the invitation, you need to sign up at patreon.com slash attaboysecret. Everyone who's a patron gets an invite. Just look for the email and click the link when it arrives. And when you get to the room, do create a username for yourself. It makes chatting a lot easier. So looking forward to June's movie night. If you want to join, listen on to the end of this show for details. Well, that is all we have time for today, a bumper edition. So thank you for joining me for this very special episode dedicated to a very special lady. I must also say a huge thanks to the wonderful Miss Brooke Darnell for popping in. Thank you, Brooke. There'll be another bonus show this week for patrons. So again, if you aren't a patron, then you can sign up by listening to the details at the end of this show. And it remains only for me to say thank you once again for joining me today. I'll be back next week with more classic movie goodness. But until then, take awfully good care of yourselves. And bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month. And in return, you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and ebooks. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. Oh, I have a question about that movie. Which movie? The movie club movie. So. He's being tried for murder, right? Boris Karloff, you mean? Yeah. So somebody broke into his house, tried to kill his daughter. He defended himself, and he's being tried for murder? That wouldn't happen in America. Oh, my God. You're right. (laughs) It didn't didn't even occur to me. But, yeah, you're completely right. Because the person reading the story is the only person that knows about it, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're too sharp. You're too clever. Because at first I was like, oh, he's being tried for doing this experiment. But then, (laughs) no, that's not. Oh, yeah. He didn't actually do anything, did he? (laughs) As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. 
I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.